0: Hey, what's up everybody? Um, The following podcast is about Star Wars. Look, we love Star Wars, and we know that you love Star Wars, but the reality is is that there's so much stuff about this franchise out there that we're not gonna be able to cover every single detail of each and every film. We're gonna miss some things, we're gonna get some things wrong, but this is just a retrospective where the $20 ticket crew has a casual and open discussion. So if you're up for that, if you're up for a casual discussion and debate with some facts sprinkled in, you know, keep listening. If you want excruciating, painstaking detail, this might not be the podcast for you. Maybe you should watch some bonus features or something. Uh, either way, we hope you enjoy. The following podcast contains. Explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, they're, they're spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket and welcome to the Star Wars retrospective Disney era recap part two. Uh, where we talk about uh, the Force Awakens, Rogue One, The Last Jedi, and Solo, leading up to the release of Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker, coming out December twentieth, twenty nineteen. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm good, man. What are you drinking? Just a Coors Light today. Also joining us is Bling. What up, Bling? How's it going? I'm good. What are you drinking?
1: I'm drinking water out of my thermos flask.
0: All right. Uh, also joining us is TJ. What up, TJ? Hey, Kerwin. What are you drinking? Bud Light. And rounded out the panel is Justin. What up, Justin? What up, Kerwin? Uh, What are you drinking? A Michelob Ultra. All right. Uh, We're picking up uh, where we left off on the last Disney episode, so let's get right to it and talk about uh, The Last Jedi. Ooh. (sighs) All right, so uh, The Last Jedi was released December 15th, 2017. It's directed by Ryan Johnson. It stars Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Andy Serkis, Lupita Nyong'o, Domo Gleason, Anthony Daniels, Gwendolyn Christie, Frank Oz, Kelly Marie Tran, Laura Dern, Billy Lord, and Benicio del Toro. 91% of critics liked it on Rotten Tomatoes, giving it an average score of 8.09 out of 10. 44% of the audience liked it, give it a day <laughs> two point seven three out of five. Mm. Come that's, on, y'all. What's that
2: critic disconnect?
0: I, I don't know. Isn't that man.
2: interesting? That is really interesting. We don't me. see that very often.
0: Yeah. Um, the budget was three hundred and seventeen million dollars. Uh opening weekend it made two hundred and twenty million. Its total domestic gross was six hundred and twenty million and its total worldwide gross was one point three billion I know everybody loves this movie.
2: We can all agree this is the best Star Wars film standalone, right?
0: Objectively, without any criticism, this mm-hmm. is the greatest Star Wars movie ever. The okay, next
3: movie. When are we going to break this joke now?
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Joke, joke is over. <laughs> <laughs> joke is over. How do you guys feel?
3: Trash. Okay, so when I, when I first saw it, I hated it. But I did watch it again. I didn't hate it as much. I will person. give you that, yes. I will give you that, yes. Yeah, I, I thought there was there was some things you can take out of this that were okay. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Solo next, obviously, where I feel like they shove a lot of stuff in there for whatever reason. But
0: I didn't hate it as much the second... Kermit, did you give this a second chance or no? I saw this movie three times in theaters. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I walked out and I was confused because yeah, I liked that I saw a new Star Wars, hmm. but I was just like, this doesn't make sense. Not from a perspective of it's not what I wanted because I love being surprised in movies, but I was I was thinking to myself, even during the movie, like some of this doesn't make any narrative sense and I walked out and the first thing I thought on my mind was what a casino uh, yeah. Snoke Leia just when I walked out of Force Awakens I knew what I saw I knew I saw a remake of A New Hope but I loved these new characters so much I was willing to all I could care about was the characters you know and I saw that six times in theaters but when I walked out of Last Jedi I was with uh, Nick and Erica and I'm thinking to myself what the fuck did I just watch and I drove home and I was supposed to go back to the theater that same night to see it with my mom and my sister. And when I went with them, I was like, I don't even want to see this movie again. And I watched it the second time and I was even more disappointed. Mm-hmm. I-, I liked it more the third time. I went to see it a third time by myself and I was able to pick apart the things that I did like about the movie. But overall, I think there's a lot of good things in this movie, but it's the execution is just bad overall, in my opinion. What was the time gap between uh, the second
2: and the third show? Uh,
0: The second time I saw it was the same Thursday night, like at 1 a.m. or some shit. And then I saw The Last Jedi for the third time, maybe about two weeks later.
2: Okay, so you After had a little bit more time to kind of process it. Yeah,
0: yeah. It gave me more time to see what other people's thoughts were on like YouTube or other podcasts, kind of hear their criticism. It allowed me to just go into the movie and see it for what it was. But that third time, I liked it more, but the problems were even more glaring the third time I watched it.
3: I don't want to jump the gun here, but I really want to know if you can, like, top three big issues you have with this movie i'm really curious what you think are and i'm not and i'm trying to trump the gun if you want to hold this off later but i'm like i'm really curious because again i rewatched this and yes some of it doesn't make sense but I did enjoy it more the second time. Um, there are things again. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think like the idea is great, the execution is awful. I think that like they had good ideas, but I feel like the way they did it, it's it's shitty. Like let's just be honest, it's not good. And they could have done this way better. I mean, we obviously got a lot more Luke Skywalker and stuff like that. I thought they could have they could have done a better job. They just didn't. But I'm like really curious. Like, if you round it out to three, I'm sure you have a list of 12, 12 maybe thirteen million different reasons <laughs> why you don't like this. But if you can like do like top three, why didn't you like this?
0: I guess my main issues. Is, I don't know if I could cap it at three or make it three,
1: but yeah. my might have shared the same stuff too. So. Yeah,
0: I think we're all gonna have the same things. But um, I think you know just to go through it real quick. I think my biggest thing is um, storytelling wise. Some storytelling decisions don't make any sense. I feel like this movie waste time and doesn't know what to do with a lot of the characters. My biggest issue, this whole movie is just a long car chase uh, that lasts for two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, my other big criticism is I feel like the characters took a huge step backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my other trash with this movie. And then my third one is um, you know, for all the talk of this movie kind of moving Star Wars forward, I feel like it's even more derivative than people want to admit. I feel like there are themes that are potentially explored and not fully explored enough to justify the entire meta message of this movie and moving the franchise forward. I think it hurts the story. It's at the expense of the actual story. There's this theme running throughout this movie that, oh, Star Wars needs to change this and that, you know, and that's cool. I'm 100% down with that. I would like Star Wars to not be formulaic or repeat the same things, but this movie does it at the expense of actually telling a story that is a sequel to a movie that came out before it.
1: And, and, you, and you allude to it like, yeah, there's a lot of things that were hinted at in The Force Awakens and at the time didn't make any sense. So you're like, okay, maybe there's gonna be a bigger payoff in this movie. And either it's not brought up again, or then you realize, like, if it's not going to be addressed or it's, it's addressed poorly in this film, why was it brought up in The Force Awakens? You know? Can I
4: ask, like, which things you guys are talking about um, like that were alluded to in the first one, but not in this one? Because, like, for me, it was, like, very, like, the continuity seemed like it was there for The Last Jedi. We, we left off with Rey and Luke on the island. She's there for training. Like, that all continues to happen.
1: Well, for one thing, like, there's who are Rey's parents? Is he the the, the daughter of, of Luke or Obi Wan or whatever? And. You know, but you don't think that's
4: explored in the Last Jedi? She has an see like this an entire a, vision when she's yeah meeting yeah. with m- meeting with uh, Kylo Ren. And, yeah, but and, it's still,
2: but it still doesn't get addressed at the end of the day. Like Kylo literally has a line where he says, "What does he say? You don't have a role in this story, or you don't have a part in this. Yeah, you're you're nobody. Who yeah. yeah, your parents,
1: whoever your parents, they're nobody. That's, that's the <laughs>
2: that's the answer that this movie gives us. Okay, so the first one we agree, it just kind of followed the mold of A New Hope. The second one kind of started to do that, and then it just sort of broke it. I think the biggest uh, point in the movie where it was breaking that was uh, the fight scene against uh, Snoke in the palace room. Mm -hmm. And I can respect that 100%, but it didn't give anything substantial in return. Yes, Rey had their training, but her training didn't really result in anything. If she was trained at all. If she was trained at oh, all. Yeah. I, she, didn't, she moved the force, uh, those rocks, with the force at the very end, which I guess was the big payoff. I Maybe
4: d- the payoff <sighs> was the fact that she realized she didn't need it.
2: Uh, that's what I'm saying. Did she?
4: I mean, she used the force without it. If we're saying, like, we're not sure if she got trained at all or not. Well, well no, it's, that's, that's, that's the, what I'm
0: getting at is, like, you know, why, why make it so important for this character to go to Luke at all? to seek training when she got to fit luke in somewhere i mean yeah i'm just kidding and this is this is what i'm getting at is like um when you take force awakens there are things that are introduced in that movie that are either completely destroyed or disregarded for the sake of moving things forward with this whole meta message that we have in this movie that stars needs to move forward and we see it constantly throughout this movie and i'm gonna just get into my fucking dissertation right now (laughs) (laughs) um so this movie is all about change, right? You know, Star Wars needs to change. That's Yeah, the, I, can, yeah
2: I, can, I can agree. That's the biggest theme of this movie. Yeah, change. that's
0: a huge theme of this movie. And this movie is very meta. And I felt that way the entire film, you know, from Luke tossing the lightsaber to um, Kylo Ren saying, "Kill, you know, bury the past, let go of
2: it, kill it if you have to. Yeah, I actually kind of like that scene especially, or that speech in the trailer.
0: And we'll get to Kylo Ren, but I think he's the most effective Um, use of that theme throughout this movie
2: he's probably got the most interesting things going on like his character and his actions
0: yeah like luke is a close second but the execution is awful because luke luke has the same realization that kylo does but just the way his character is portrayed is a complete departure from you know where he was in six and doesn't make a lot of sense but we'll, we'll get into that we can have a group discussion about that but You know, this movie's all about change and not doing things over and over again. And it's about subverting expectations and destroying the past. You know, like I said earlier, this movie is extremely derivative, just like The Force Awakens. And I think a lot of people that like this movie and that like to praise it for moving the franchise forward, For whatever reason, I feel like some of those people, I'm not gonna, you know, cast blanket statements, but I feel like some of those people don't see how derivative this movie really is. You know, training on an isolated planet with an old Jedi, Mm -hmm. um you know walkers versus speeders the literal battle of hoth taking place you know against a vulnerable
2: rebel base except in the end of the movies at the beginning yeah exactly yeah. the throne room
0: confrontation with the main antagonist and his apprentice uh, our main protagonist deciding not to join the dark side after said confrontation uh, meeting a newcomer character that betrays you to the bad guys literally calling our protagonist rebels the entire film they're not rebels they're the resistance. That are part of the New Republic, but we we can't let go of calling them rebels. Like we can't let go of the past. I agree with the proposed thought process and intentions of this movie. I 100% agree with it. I'm all for Star Wars moving in different directions and doing different things. You know, we talked about this with Phase Three and Marvel. They're doing different shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're not just doing the same thing anymore. But I feel like this movie gets a little too wrapped up in its own message and themes for its own good. This movie's meta to the point where it's detrimental to the plot. Ryan Johnson spends so much time telling us that Star Wars needs to change that nothing changes, really. Like by the end of the movie, we have essentially reverted the status quo to that of the original trilogy with, you know, space Nazis bent on galactic conquest, led by a dark side user. Hunting down a small band of freedom fighters, like literally by the end of this movie, they're calling themselves rebels again. Remember, right. they have the Rebel Alliance uh, decoder ring. You know, Broom Kid has it by the end of this movie. <laughs> you know, this movie has put us back at square one. If you're actually going to give us a new Star Wars, stop giving us the same set pieces. Actually, tell the different Star Wars stories instead of telling us that you want to tell different Star Wars stories. Yes, Star Wars needs to change because, in all honesty, with all four of these movies, all Disney has done is try their best to coast off a of nostalgia. The Force Awakens was pretty much a shameless remake of A New Hope. I still like it, but imma just call it what it is. And The Last Jedi is just a meta-commentary on a franchise that forgot to tell the story. Like, I'm gonna give you an analogy in regards to this movie. Imagine the Star Wars franchise is a track and field team, right? The TV shows, the comics, the spin off movies, they're all different events like Shot Put and Javelin and all that other shit. But the main movies, like the episodes, the Skywalker movies, they're a relay race. You've gotta hand the baton off to the next director, right? Ryan Johnson says, "Hey, I want to join the relay race. I want to do the episodes." He joins the relay race and they shoot the gun in and you're off. But you can't say you want to join the relay race. JJ Abrams hands you the baton and then halfway through the race you're like, "Well, I think I want to do the high jump." And you leave the track and you go do the high jump. And that's literally what's happening. Like, and I appreciate Ryan Johnson's efforts. I think he's a great filmmaker. I've seen every movie of his except for Brick, but I feel like he was so wrapped up in trying things or things that he thought would be interesting that he forgot to tell the actual story of these characters and the actual story of the seven movies that had come before. I think he forgot that he had a responsibility to, you know, not only go new places, but also continue and grow these characters. And we'll talk about the characters in a bit, but everything from the plot, from the setting, the characters has been reverted to square one in this movie like i said we've basically become you know rebels versus empire all over again like nothing nothing has really changed the four movies that disney has released since they've acquired lucasfilm have all been reliant or rehashing imagery characters or events from the original trilogy, when the well is so much deeper. And I think it's just ironic that we're talking about this message where every single film, including this one, has been derivative in some form or fashion. Like we said, Force Awakens is basically a new hope. Uh, Rogue One is the story of the Death Star. You know, The Last Jedi uses set pieces from Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. Solo is a literal story about Han Solo. So, you know, for all their talk, I- I'm still waiting for Disney to do something, if that makes any sense to you guys. No, yeah, it's no. like I said, they...
2: We can let go of the past if you give us something to look forward to, but it didn't give us anything to look forward to. It and it gave I, us some speculation, some hopes, but nothing substantial. For everything that you set up, especially in the first one, that Abrams, you know, all the questions, all the unanswered, this movie felt like a filler, like a fluff. Like, I could skip this one and the story, you know, the story, story didn't continues. progress at all. Right. I, can I watch agree it. with that. I can watch the next one and get the full scope of it. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think we, we, we alluded to like how there's just a lot of characters in The Force Awakens and how some of those character roles could be condensed and... In this film, they kind of do the same thing. They introduce more characters. They either kill them off or there's like, why are we introducing a new character when you can take an existing character that's been established and put them into that role? I mean, there's a lot of things that just still bug me after. I've seen it twice already. The last I saw it again about two days ago. And to Jason's point, I did like it a little more the second time around there's some things like okay this is, was not as bad but there's just still things that bother me like so, so the, the thing that still continues to bother me till this day is Admiral Halto I, I, I don't want to we'll get too much into detail but like so there's no reason for Admiral Halto to withhold information to, from Poe Dameron in regards to the mission that she had you know, while Leia was incapacitated all it really did is set up you know Poe to commit mutiny and even at that point she still like didn't reveal her true intentions. Like she wasn't being a coward. She ultimately had good intentions. She was willing to sacrifice her life. It just bothered me like she held off until like the very last, until Leia came to and says, Hey, this this is my true intentions. We're gonna make an escape. I'm gonna man the ship, pretty much give up my life to make sure the safety of the, the resistance lives on. And I'm just like, what was the point of that? That so that's one instance. The second one is just the whole canto canto bite scene. It's like you go to this casino, was it in, in space? Yeah, um, Space Bellagio. Space Spanish Bellagio. Cleaned. And I guess you illegally park. <laughs> 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 and I don't, I don't know where that this happens, where if you legally park, you get thrown in jail. They almost meet the Codemaster, but because they <laughs> illegally parked they got thrown in jail. And okay, the mission's over. No, they found some guy in jail that can do exactly what they had to go on this secret mission to extract that one person. Oh, no, I can do this too. And and then ultimately that leads to a, what we call it, a bigger issue because that guy betrays them. I'm like, it's like oh, things happen because of something so minuscule happening. Uh, I mean, I think
0: I think you're right. I feel like a lot of this stuff has to do with... Like I said earlier, I feel like Ryan Johnson had some great ideas that Mm -hmm. he wanted to see in a Star Wars movie, Mm -hmm. and he was trying to piece them together, and if you see certain things happen that happen without any logical cause or meaning to the narrative, it's just because he didn't know what to do in that moment. So, or hyperspace tracking, that is not a thing in Star Wars. It can be now, and that's fine, but Mm -hmm. I feel like the excuse they make is total bullshit. Like, they can track us, but they can only track us from the lead ship. So um, we have to find a a master code breaker on a totally separate planet and take a hyperdrive mini craft there and then hyperdrive back. Well, it's just like, well, if you had hyperdrive, why not just get everybody off on those (laughs) hyperdrive ships? Because clearly they're not watching you. Kylo Ren, he's, you know, doing battle with the fleet, right? Shooting shit and whatnot. And then uh, General Hux is like, we can't cover you from here. I was like, what? Since when are we worried about covering our ships? I've seen tons of battleship scenes in Star Wars where Star Destroyers aren't worried about covering ships. All of a sudden, you know, I I don't understand it. It's like, Kylo, we can't cover you anymore. Come back and wait at the capital ship. While we slowly chase these guys through space, I, I don't get it like you have you have twelve first order ships following you know this dwindling effort of the resistance, fucking step on the gas and <laughs> blow them to fucking hell. Like you're not trying to follow them anywhere. you're just trying to kill them like like if they were leading you somewhere. I could understand backing off a little bit, you know, just tailgating, but the fact that all you wanted to do was destroy them in the first place, just fucking speed up, catch up to them and shoot them or send all your fucking TIE fighters. You already blew up all their X-Wings in the hangar bays, right? What is stopping you from going out there? What do you mean you can't cover Kylo? There's no more ships there. <laughs> yeah. well, what the fuck yeah. is going on? And then you also have um, the whole Master Codebreaker thing. You, we introduce characters, you talk about Holdo. Yeah. Like Rose is a total waste of a character. I felt like that character had a huge potential arc in this movie. I, go I ahead.
2: Uh, go ahead. Well, first off, forgive me, I haven't seen this movie in a while. That wasn't the Codebreaker they were looking for? Huh? That Master Cooper yeah. they found in prison wasn't the same code no, breaker they were no, looking like, oh, No, no, no. He, he, oh God, he just he just happened that. to have
1: this, a set of thought, skills that was he thought, thought was unique he, to one specific I that person. That
2: they happened to find him there, like it was a, like no. the force was guiding them. Like, oh, no. that's so, so bad. that yeah.
1: That's, and, but that's <sighs>
0: but that is how you tell a story, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, the guy you thought, let's just say right. that, um because
2: that's what I yeah, because exactly that's, that's story that, that is
0: how you tell a story. The guy you thought was the code breaker actually wasn't, and the real guy that Moz knows is the guy in the cell. Let's say he also has the red plum bloom or right. whatever. Yeah. That should have really been the guy Maz told you
2: about. Cause this just sounds like something like real life story. Like we went, so we just trusted this dude who said he could do it for cheaper. And, yeah. was, and yeah. uh, surprise, surprise, <laughs> he betrayed us. Yeah. Okay, getting into the Rose thing. You have to attach the Rose and Finn story cause Rose and Finn are attached in this entire movie, like right off the bat. Do you feel like Finn took a step backwards in his like in his cowardice? Like first scene, yes. as soon as he wakes up, he's yes. trying to split. We, 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 I mean, I know he's trying to find Ray.
1: But we alluded to this, like, he, you know, he did the same thing in The Force Awakens. He, you know, he was trying to run away, and then he finally, his character arc changed where he's like, you know, I'm tired of running. And then he, first 20 minutes of the film, he's trying to, he's reverting I, back to his counter I feel like his
2: development got reset so he'd go through the same development again in this movie. Uh,
0: I think every character took yeah. a huge step backwards and started from point one, but, honestly.
2: And yes, you could have done something with a character like Rose, but I felt like, to your point earlier, I felt like it was unnecessary mm-hmm. just to give Finn a sort of love interest to break the idea that Finn and Ray are going to be together. Mm-hmm. And I just did not care for this Rose character one bit. I, she was I, just so... <laughs> And the whole planet, the Santa Anita planet I had a problem with. And the biggest <laughs> and the like the corniest line in all of it I thought was when she was saying how she was, you know, raised poor and they're in this planet of wealth and she says something to the effect of, I wish I could punch this whole lousy city in its nose or something oh, like that. I was it was just so corny and so disney. It was like, so cheesy. Everything, yeah. everything about that planet felt so Disney, like the has versus the have nots, super lady in the tramp kinda of crap.
0: But do they ever expound on that? No. No, they
2: just, oh, and then they go through a giant weird horse dog... Like escape scene where yeah. they're running on like the streets of Italy or something and it, i was just like what the hell This am I wrong? scene was
1: really long too. To it, me, was it was lo- it was a
2: good portion of the It movie. was long and drawn to, out. To me I felt as out of place as in uh, the prequel episode two, Obi-Wan on uh, in the space diner doing his little shoe shoegum routine, trying to hunt down, I don't know, leads. It felt very out of place and I uh,
4: I hope we can all agree that the worst thing that took place on that planet, number one is that that drunk alien thought that BB-8 was a slot machine. So it's like putting coins in <laughs> them. Later, like they're getting stopped by like the troopers or whatever, the and BB-8 There's just like shoots these coins out. at the guard. <laughs> and like the heroic Star Wars music is playing in the background <laughs> as if
0: this is like some huge moment. Wait, don't forget. And
4: then he blows out a smoking gun.
0: <laughs> okay, I thought, I thought that was cool. I, no, no, not the coin thing, but I like the fact that he blew it out. I was like, I'm cool with that. He did the thumbs up last movie, whatever. But that, that shit was corny as fuck with the, oh my God, isn't this epic, guys? The John Williams scores. And And I'm like, oh my God, he's just spitting coins at someone who,
4: by the way, is wearing armor. (laughs) (laughs) And then Benicio Del Toro shows up and he's just like, oh, shit.
0: (laughs) I'm just like, no, like, get the fuck up and kick this motherfucker. Like, kick his ass back to Big Five or Dick Sporting Goods or some shit. That's when
4: I decided that this movie was not my favorite. The other thing that I would say, and Kern and I talked a lot about this in pre-production, is that this was like the first time that I noticed that they were casting existing famous people in Star Wars. Because I know obviously in the prequels, we had like Samuel L. Jackson and. There's a uh, lot of Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson, Liam, Liam, Liam Neeson, Ewan <laughs> McGurk. Yeah. So obviously they were already famous. Um, but Portman I didn't really a... notice it then. I don't know if it, maybe because I was younger
2: or what. But I believe you started it with Natalie Portman was like, was she the first famous, real big She was name? the most right, famous right, to me right. when
4: I watched them going through. Probably it. at the time you were in yeah. It, yeah. But now it's just like Laura Dern, Benicio del Toro. Uh, we also have Forest Whitaker and um, Rogue One it, There's it just, Woody Harrelson
0: and Woody Solo. Harrelson yeah. oh my God. it yeah. just yeah. seems
4: now in the Disney era that we have uh, and, and Laura Dern not to take anything away from her performance in this movie in The Last Jedi but it took me out of it because I know her from so many other things yeah. and it just took me out of this universe that I'm used to you know in a in a world where you don't notice or recognize anything Mm-hmm. I knew her. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just like, so that was. this was the first time that I like recognized that, oh, they're casting at actors. Yeah. yeah.
2: See, like you said Rose was a waste of a character. I felt like Laura Durham's character was a waste of a character.
4: Yeah. They killed her. I think I it would have had more impact if it was someone I didn't
2: know. Yeah. For me personally. Well, to me, I like her cause she's got the old school Jurassic Park. So she's kind of been in the, universe, you know, in the sci-fi. Let me, where.
1: let me ask you, did you like her purple hair?
4: Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I thought the character was fine. I thought like, the purple yeah. was
1: very
2: distracting. I thought, I it was thought, very thought very the was most
4: strange. distracting was thing was the fact that it was Laura Dern. Like, you know, yeah. what I mean, I, I don't know. I just couldn't get past it. And every time she was on the screen, I just kept realizing that I'm watching Laura Dern. Yeah, <laughs> I,
0: I think um, you know, I, I definitely want to get into these characters and stuff, mm-hmm. but I do want to at least you know talk about the things I do appreciate about this movie. Okay, like I said, I do appreciate Ryan Johnson's vision. I just think his execution was off in this movie. Um, personally, in my opinion, I know you know we've kind of discussed this outside of this episode, but I think that The Last Jedi is the best-looking Star Wars movie. It has it has a more epic. Cinematic feel to it. Mm-hmm. Now, do you
2: attribute that to technology constantly getting better, like the CGI and whatnot, or do you think are you like artistic no, I, direction? You I feel think, it is.
0: I think artistic direction. A lot of the cinematography, okay. the the framing of the shots, um, you know, the color palette that's used in this movie. It does get a bit monochromatic here and there. Like we keep seeing a lot of the red and earthy tones. Right. But I think with such a limited color palette, I think Ryan Johnson is still, you know, despite without a wide range of colors, able to put together a really fantastic looking film
2: yeah uh, that uh scene uh Laura Durnham's sacrifice scene at has got when they go in a hyperdrive into the Star Destroyer it has got to be one of the best Star Wars shots of all time no joke like yeah. it just looks amazing
3: I like the at the end to the the at ads or whatever like the new ones mm-hmm. though I don't know something about them they're all like more refined they're like more rugged um the, the red light on mm. the top mm-hmm. it, i don't know something about them it seems more menacing it seems uh way more intimidating but like you can tell like hey there's like yeah it looks very similar to what we know from you know the original trilogy but it looks so much more refined and like improved that it's i don't know i i I love that scene with the sulfur underneath and it's like mm. when the, the reds coming out you think it's almost blood at one point yeah. but when they're doing that and they're they're there and you see the red light I don't know something about it I I some of the shots in this are really cool. Oh, crate like, the big trailer crate
0: looks amazing. Like yeah. as as much as I shit on this movie for being derivative like I think crate is like a beautiful set piece. The way like those, the way those ships kind of drag the red earth across the oh, ground. Oh, dude, it's so yeah. cool. I, I love how that battle looks for sure.
3: Kind of cheesy. It's kind of weird. Like yeah, it's sulfur underneath, and that's why it's so
4: red. I'm like it's, okay. They do it simply for the shot. Of course, which is fine. Of yeah. course. I mean, it's, yeah. it's well done. Yeah. But there's no real point to it. Yeah, and it's yeah.
3: like he, like they take a step and like it's red, and you're almost saying, oh, this guy's bleeding. Say, like, oh no, it's the sulfur. And it's like, oh
2: okay, well. It's, it's so,
3: just weird. It's just like you, you. You hope it's. I mean, you don't hope it's something else. You you don't hope it's blood, but it's just like it's just. He's hope it
2: has more relevance to the scene. Then it's just it's like, a,
3: oh, this is yeah. what the planet is underneath. It's just kind of weird.
0: I think I think that battle looks cool, but you know, this movie's really long, right? I think once you land on crate, do you even need to have that battle? Do you have enough people to Already pilot more out, ships? Yeah. yeah, by that time, I'm checked out. What should have happened is like you don't need a battle of crate as cool as it looks move it to another movie get there faster so you can have the battle or something like don't spend two-thirds of the movie in the first episode of Battlestar Galactica I don't fucking get it if you ever watch Battlestar Galactica literally the first fucking two episodes is a long car chase this whole movie is the (laughs) plot from that but I feel like once they get to crate I'm I'm ready for the movie to end Mm -hmm. you know Kylo's killed Snoke Finn beats Phasma Laura Dern's character hyperdrives into the, the first-order fleet. We've had our three-way, four-way battle already, like yeah. we typically see in the Star Wars movies. And then we get to Crate, and it's another fucking battle. It's just just go to Crate, have Luke show up. You know, the rebels don't stand a chance. They don't need more ships, all that other shit. Skip the whole battle and just get to Luke and Kylo at that place. Because I think you're just burnt out after the whole, that whole Praetorian guard scene. Right.
1: Well, you don't even attack, like at the beginning of the film, we had that whole escape battle scene where they're... You with know, the bombers? Yeah, with the bombers yeah. and everything. So, I mean, so... We, we got, didn't need another one. Yeah, we had, we were, we started off the film, we got a, some, a few action scenes, fight scenes, and then, we, yeah, we ended up with another battle at the end.
2: That was, that was the other weird thing, wasn't it? Like, as soon as Luke showed up, uh, at that final scene, I was like, "Did he? Did he dye his hair? Like Because before, <laughs> obviously, in retrospect, you see what happened, but he looked. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He, I was he, like, did he stop and dye his hair yeah, before he? Showed yeah, up? he looks different. I'm like,
0: okay, okay. Real quick, at what point did you notice that Luke was fake?
4: Uh, when he kept getting stabbed and wasn't dying.
2: Yeah, probably when he started to like walk, like when the actual fight started to take place and he walked out, that's when it occurred to me that it's probably not.
4: I read somewhere that if if you like look closely, his footprints don't leave a red really? footprint. Yeah, oh, they don't. Oh,
3: okay. Oh, I didn't notice that.
4: Yeah, like everyone else's. I, I didn't notice that in the movie, obviously, but... Well, I'm definitely not going to rewatch it, but I'll go back and um, watch that clip. Watch that one yeah, scene. Yeah.
0: All right, the moment I noticed is as soon as he pulled out the blue lightsaber. Yeah, because yeah. because oh, okay. yeah, that lightsaber one. got destroyed on Snoke's ship, and also Luke has his own lightsaber. He has a green one. Mm. So why would he pull out mm. Anakin's lightsaber? doesn't make any sense because that was never his if that if that makes any sense but Mm -hmm. hey that's a that's a writer's choice for whatever reason if there's any sort of symbolism with that you know it must have gone over my head but I I don't really care um (laughs) but talking about the action sequences like we we just were i think that opening fight was cool i like to see poe kind of going one-on-one doing the tokyo drift the Takedana drift around the fucking cannons and shit oh and I, yeah i thought that was cool i like the little BBA scene where he's like plugging the the holes oh dude and he uh, has uh, all of them
3: coming out that was pretty yeah. funny and then like he has that. to use his head to like plug
0: the whole thing in yeah. i thought that was hilarious like some of the humor in this movie kind of misses me like the whole I'm calling. Uh, Leia has a message for your mom. He's like, oh, general
2: hugs. Oh, that part, yeah. That, Uh
0: that part drags on
2: I liked it because I thought it was like well, right off
0: the
4: bat it's hilarious well, this
2: poem, he was always like kind of a smart ass like in the first uh in the last movie he was like so you talking first I'm talking first how are we doing this like yeah but to me that was a little more subtle than the yeah I got a pizza delivery for your mom Colonel farts or something like
0: that yeah it just yeah. it just felt like it went on too long and it just felt it just felt out of place yeah, if that makes any really sense out, yeah I felt really out of place yeah I'm cool with the sense of humor but I felt like you know for this tone you're going for it feels kind of uneven if that makes any well, sense yeah yeah, because
2: like, Poe joke in the first run, uh, you know, Kylo sort of bending down to see him on the ground face-to-face, a little less rigid, a little more, I don't know, youthful and timely, Yeah, but um, yeah, I just... I again like you said i can appreciate what he was trying to do but i just didn't feel like the execution was there
0: i think the last last bit of action or major action set we piece we see is kylo and ray versus the praetorian guards what y'all think about that one
3: scene i do like in it i might be wrong in how this happens but like i think kylo ren is like getting choked out by one of the guards and then he calls over the the lightsaber
0: oh ray throws it to him throws yeah. it to him
3: yeah. yeah and then he just turns it on real quick and and then turns it off and then just like pierces him real fast yeah
0: I thought that scene was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. We talked about this with the prequels, you know, how we we didn't see that more uh, rugged, fantastic battle with lightsabers. I felt like this one maintained a balance between being a bit extra and being more grounded. And I think it, it made it much more effective compared to you know the Swashbuckling on lava fight with Anakin. Yeah,
1: everyone, yeah. with the flips and everything. And I know
3: Muga was talking shit on it. He was alluding to this scene. I think we were talking about Force Awakens, but like they have like not nunchucks, but they have like all kinds of different, They're like
2: samurai sort of lightsaber esque weapons.
3: And we kind of saw that in Force Awakens when they had like the one baton with like the lightsaber right. thing. And it's like I don't think I hate it. I feel like I would imagine um, weaponry to evolve over time. Like right. knowing you're going to go against lightsabers, you want something that will protect you from them. So yeah. I don't, I don't hate on it that much. Do you guys? No. Plus, we saw that in the prequels.
2: Yeah. So like, all, like it's kind of been a thing a little yeah. bit. A little yeah. bit yeah. I don't know. He was shitting on special. it, and I was
3: like, I don't know if I really shitting on that. I and mean, it's okay. kind of goo. I mean, like, it's Star Wars. It's sci-fi. I get it. And it's like, I thought it looked pretty epic. Then walking in this room, and right. they have like these red guards we haven't really seen a lot, and it's like okay and then they have different weapons and it's like I, I would hope they have something unique like we're going to like where Snoke is at and we're dealing with this like I hope they don't have what the stormtroopers have I hope they have something like more protective to protect this guy right. it's like okay what, what else what, what what especially since we've
2: seen these guys since the originals and like they didn't really do anything in yeah. there. even in the prequels they just I mean I think Yoda just like force pushes them down or something like that Yeah. so I was excited to finally see them throw down I remember the first time I felt a little disappointed but maybe that's because I was wanting a little more it just felt a little clumsy to me the full fight scene um, there were cool parts in it yeah. but I did appreciate about the scene like the pivot point of that scene uh, Kylo I don't know if using is the right word because he does not want her to be there but using Rey as the final extra oomph he needs to to get Snoke to drop his guard to take him out mm. Um, I like everything that is going on in that scene I really do
3: I think it's okay it's not my favorite scene ever especially not my favorite like lightsaber scene ever but I think it's interesting and I think it gives us more like it um, it's not just your basic lightsaber scene like we see a lot more it's different yeah he does use Ray a little bit like it's kind of weird the way they kill Snoke, I, I, I don't know if I like that 100%. I think they didn't do it justice. Like, he's supposed to be really powerful. If he's that powerful, how does he not, like how does he
4: not know that that lightsaber's
3: turning personal? Okay, what
2: the, so. What did, what did the line he used though, striking down my true enemy, or isn't that how they justified yeah, it? Like, well, he kept and
4: him in. like, like you're moving the lightsaber towards your right. true enemy. Like right. he sees a lightsaber doing something. I just don't think he sees the right lightsaber. Also, but he has his eyes
0: sense? fucking closed the entire time. Like you <laughs> close your eyes, bro. Really? Uh,
2: but I don't. But to uh, but to Jason's point, like before this, he was manipulating Ray and Kylo like hard. Like the whole. Connection they thought they had he claimed he took credit for yeah he like, says
0: yeah he says that you know oh you thought you had something together it's no I'm the one that bridged your right. minds yeah. like
2: that's a level of manipulation we didn't even necessarily see the emperor do in the first like that's a high level of like force manipulation which I didn't mind doing but again to his point if he was that op then I don't know maybe you need to sell that he was dropping his guard in that room a little bit better yeah maybe if the lightsaber was a mile away like
3: maybe <laughs> you don't realize it but when it's right next to you I kind of feel like hey. You might even hear it or yeah.
4: something. Like you, can like, it, you can hear it in scraping. your peripheral yeah, scraping on, the metal of your
0: throne yeah. as it turns. Yeah, that's and that's just uh-huh. another thing I feel is kind of a throwaway thing. You don't establish that this character is so fucking powerful that, you know, his fucking hot mobile hotspot connects these two motherfuckers from <laughs> across the galaxy. Like the fact that he can bridge Ray and Kylo but you can't find Luke anywhere this entire time, right? <laughs> the fact that you can bridge Rey and Kylo, but you can't tell that uh, that Kylo's turning his lightsaber against you. The fact that you can do all this shit, but you're afraid of Luke Skywalker this entire time, and you're so obsessed with Darth Vader. This movie has turned Snoke into like a fucking, like he's he's a punchline, he's a joke. Yeah, he's like, another paper like villain. Or
2: something. Yeah,
0: and I would not have any problem with Snoke dying the way he did, if we got to know a little more about him yeah. and the role that Kylo Ren is now about to assume. I was going
2: to say to me the most exciting part of going into episode 9 now is Kylo's story. Is to see what he's going to do now. Is he going to be malevolent? Is he going to be a dictator like to take on like, kind of like Vader taking on the role of the emperor if yeah. you will.
1: Like what are the ramifications of him, you know, getting rid of Snoke cuz i mean they make it seem like he's supposed to be the big you know, the new emperor that, you know, how the emperor was a big part in not only the original trilogy but the prequel trilogy and I I hate to say that, I mean, even his death it didn't have as much impact because they. I feel like they got used to just killing everybody, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I mean, they killed Atbar for no reason, and they just and, and they killed a bunch of characters in Force Awakens. So it got when it got to the point where they were killing Snoke. It's like I didn't feel like, oh wow, you know, it's such a big deal well, because it didn't they, have any depth to it. No, it didn't have any depth to it, and it doesn't have any depth because they don't know anything about
0: that dude. Yeah, at like,
2: all. Literally, I was reading uh, before we record this in your art book uh, some concept designs for Snoke. They were saying he was supposed to be sort of like an alabaster statue, kind of beautiful. Uh, Or the idea that he was beautiful and then he sort of got more deformed as uh, he got stronger in the dark side of the force. That's a great little character part, but I would have loved that to have been elaborated in the movie more. A little backstory on him something. But again, like zero depth, so zero feelings when he gets 86 pretty much.
3: And it's weird too, you think about like Palpatine, like we had the original trilogy, but then we also had the prequels and we like saw so much development with this character and kinda know how he became who he became. And it's like with Snoke we don't know
1: anything. We don't get a
3: lot at all. And it's like it's a bummer, but it's like Kerwin I mean, and I have talked about, and we've all kind of talked about this, how like, now Disney is kind of taking this opportunity to make these these movies in between to explain some of the story. They do Rogue One, which I think was a cool movie. But then they go and do Solo, which I don't know why, but they that's what they did. But mm-hmm. like, this would have been a cool
2: movie to do to explain some of this shit. I think that was one of the theories that got floated past.
0: I forgot who said it in an interview, but they said oh, Snoke, you know, maybe we'll explore him in a movie later on, or a show, or a comic. But
2: that kind of means like he was always meant to be a throwaway character, and throwaway characters are fine but don't put him in that much of a state of importance and i
0: think snoke is a key piece in filling out this 30-year gap because not not only is snoke responsible for the first order existing he knows the force like we said again in force awakens he's powerful with the force he managed to turn Kylo Ren. When did he turn him? Like, when? Like, right, what, like what were the he's, circumstances? He's been a yeah. Luke
2: this whole time, so was he reaching out to him, like, again, with his powerful, like, you know, sort of psychic dark side ways?
0: And also, if he's if he's as old as he looks, where the fuck has he been over the past 30 yeah, years? Yeah, was, was where's, he, the, where's the crossover to intersect? The, like, Did Palpatine know about him? Was he another him? disciple of Palpatine? Yeah, yeah like,
2: what, what Not is it? a full-blown, it was, like, Sith?
0: And it's just weird, because, like,
3: again, Palpatine, Vader, we get all this backstory and nothing about this guy. I just feel
0: like it's another thing just fucking shoved in. And it doesn't even have to be like a whole movie about him. Like, can we just have like sentences? Can we say things? A flashback?
2: Yeah. I don't know.
0: You know, fuck, I'm gonna get into the characters before we get into behind the scenes, but I think that has a lot to do with the plot. I'm gonna start with Rey. I'm gonna just go through all the characters and we'll run them down just like we did for Force Awakens. So like I said, I feel like a lot of these characters took a step backwards. Feel free to disagree, of course. You know, we're gonna have open discussion, of course. But I feel like, you know, starting with Rey, she goes to Act 2 to meet Luke, right? Right. And all she does this entire movie is Skype Kylo Ren, right?
5: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: she, she begs Luke to help the Resistance, and rightfully so. This is a cause she believes in. She believes in doing the right thing. And that was her whole plot the last movie was finding Luke. Not her arc, but her plot was. And then uh, she rides like the drop pod from Oblivion into Snoke's ship while it's chasing the Resistance fleet right? To create. And then she has a throne meeting with Snoke and Kylo because the plot demands it for some reason. She doesn't end up there naturally. She just gets in the Millennium Falcon with Chewie, says, you know, say hi to Finn for me. And then Chewie puts her in a fucking casket and drops her off. So no nobody from the First Order saw the Millennium Falcon fly by a ship that Kylo Ren fully recognizes yeah, that the infamous. whole fleet yeah like little tiny you know Rose and Finn can jet off to Canto Bight right yeah. and nobody notices and then the Millennium Falcon can swoop in and you know door dash Rey <laughs> and fucking nobody notices especially when they're literally on the hunt yeah like this movie is full of such contrivances with the plot to make things happen because I want this in the movie. Have no idea how I'm gonna make it work, but I want it in the movie. And that's just another instance. And we talk about you know, the training. She didn't really train. She went into a cave and begged to learn who her parents are, which wasn't even a point of interest for her in The Force Awakens. There was no mention of her parents. All she cared about was staying on Jakku because she thought whoever left her there would come and get her. I feel like the whole parents thing is a direct response to fans' theories personally I prefer that Ray isn't related to anybody but I don't need that to be such a, a derailment of the plot to be inserted all of a sudden like she she's never been concerned with her parents and who they are till now and it just feels like it's shoehorned in
2: there as well, a direct that, response they to they fans as are pulled to the dark side and
0: no and I and I get that but yeah. it, it was never a plot point to begin with you know as far as leaving her past behind. That was an arc that was completed in the previous movie. The moment she decided to fly off and find Luke...
2: Right, because she kept wanting to go back. or That's why she turned down Han's offer initially. Yeah, cause, to get back to
0: the... exactly. Because to go back to Jakku. Right. And then when she joins the Resistance, goes off with Chewie to find Luke, her arc is done as far as her past. Right,
2: now it's, now it's potential Jedi training. Yeah, now,
0: and then for whatever reason... Show me my parents, parents, parents. Mm-hmm. And it's and
2: you're just like, Whoa, 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 this is coming out of fucking left field. Well, it's like Man. getting rebrought. It feels like it's being rehashed over something that was supposed to be settled.
0: Yeah, and I think it was a direct response to fan theories. Also,
2: correct correct me if I'm wrong, the um the vision she has when she touches the lightsaber in The Force Awakens, um, I don't know if it's like the Jedi killers, that little gang in the rain and everything. Oh, that, Knights of Ren. Right. The Knights of Ren. Did that ever did that vision get brought up again in this movie?
0: They brought up the Knights of Ren once without naming them. So so when Luke tells Rey what happened to Kylo Ren... You know, before he turned to the dark side, pretty much he says, "You know, he slaughtered you know half my oh, students. Yes, yes, and he took a handful. He took a handful with him and so slaughtered the was, rest. So that
2: w- there was a vision of that. Pa- that was a vision of the past. Yes, yeah. Okay, but again, the Knights of Ren sound like something incredibly dope that we don't get a payoff for.
0: And I feel like that's another thing from Force Awakens that was introduced without thinking of how that's going to play out. Right.
2: Like, but like that would be such a like you saw it. they look badass in that one shot in the rain. Like. Mm-hmm. A bunch of, uh, you know, forced semi-force trained, you know, Jedi killers, what have you. Sounds like a great plot to go into into the second act. But again, just something that's not touched on at all.
0: Yeah. So I just feel like she just took a, a huge step back. And then with Kylo Ren, essentially, once again, another response to fan speculation. OK, first of all, fan speculation is one thing, whatever. They're going to do it in this age of the Internet we live in. But, uh, you know, Kylo Ren's mention that her parents sold to her for drinking money is yeah, another... Absolutely. Does he
2: know this? Like, where is this coming from? No
0: idea, but it's a direct response to fan speculation. And I get it. Fan speculation is a thing nowadays, but don't let it impact your plot or your writing to the point where you have to shoehorn. Like, this whole thing is shoehorned in. If this movie happened and we didn't have the who are my parents and your parents sold you for drinking money, it it wouldn't matter, right? If you took those two things out of the movie.
2: Right. Because you decided to make that a point. You decided to bring that back up.
0: Yeah. You decided to bring it up because fans had speculation. That's the
2: like, Well, like, movies are art. Right, just like music, just like you know, literal art on a canvas medium. I don't like when the public opinion influences like the artist, if you will. Like, oh yeah, it's yeah. yeah. This, like I one hundred percent would have loved like Ryan Johnson's. Just watch his film without any sort of pressures to address anything that was you know outside in the bubble. It, and it's affected.
4: increasingly more challenging to right. do that because I expect, of, yeah, with
2: social media. Yeah, an, yeah. Like I want to see art. Like you're an artist. I want to see your craft. I want to see your work. Right. I want to see you do your thing. I also
4: feel like, you know, to kind of piggyback on, like, sort of resetting everyone's arc, you know, with Kylo Ren still kind of debating this, like, dark or light side, I feel like still there's, you feel conflict in him, and Ray even says it, like, I I see conflict in you, but he killed his dad, he killed Han Solo in the last one,
2: like, I feel like that would have... Been enough to push you all the way to the dark side. That's the interesting thing. Like, I wasn't really picking up a lot of like regret in him about killing his father. Like, there wasn't regret about him
4: killing his father. Which I liked. It it seemed like the same conflict that was in him in The Force Awakens was in him in the last Jedi. Right.
2: Like, oh, I'll kill Han and that'll help. No, that didn't help. And rather than be like, what did I do? He's more like, well, what can I do to resolve this
1: conflict? But then again, he was apprehensive of taking the kill shot to kill Leia. Mm -hmm. So it shows. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, And
0: I and I will say this about. Kylo Ren, Ren, I feel, is the only character in this movie that does what the movie is about. This movie is about not taking one of these classic sides we've been dealing with for the last seven movies. This movie is about pushing things forward and starting anew Kylo Ren is the only fucking character in this movie. You know, he kills Snoke. He says, you know what? There ain't going to be no more Emperor. I'm not going to be fucking Darth Vader. I'm just going to kill your ass because you're heaping all these expectations on me, Snoke. And I'm going to kill your ass and I'm taking over. And I'm going to tell Rey to join me because we don't need the Jedi. He says, we don't need the Jedi. We don't need the Sith. Forget about Luke. Like fucking, let's start over and you know he gets mad at Ray when she doesn't want to join him and he's like no what the fuck like you're still holding on whatever Ryan Johnson is doing and whatever themes he wants to push forward i feel like this is where he gets it right yeah that's what
2: i want that's that's, kylo
4: it's interesting because even after all of that and ray has gone after everything and whoever was like oh what happened to snoke and he's like oh ray killed him oh what are we supposed to do without a supreme leader he's like i am the supreme leader basically Mm -hmm. so is he really like rejecting the
0: need to be one or the other or is he just becoming one what he's done is rather than pick a side he's become a side himself
4: yeah i I don't think think, that he's like living middle ground anymore oh no at that point
2: i never felt like he was like it's been my life's goal to be supreme leader like he's been super ambitious for that role i feel like he's just like i'm gonna be in control and if you want to call me the supreme leader then that's fine but i'm still the one in control now
0: look at it this way like he was a member of the jedi right at one point, you know, being told what to do. And then his uncle tried to kill him in his sleep. Then you have, uh, depending on which one you look at. (laughs) This is true, yes. And then, you know, he joins the dark side. How the fuck he does, no idea. I hope it gets explained um, you know he joins Snoke and all Snoke does is bitch at him because he's not as like Luke tried to kill him because he thought he was too much like Vader and Snoke's pissed at him because he's not like Vader right. and then you know Kylo Ren just comes to the realization he's just like you know fuck this I'm not Vader I'm Kylo Ren I don't care about the dark side I don't care about the light side not necessarily what path to go down but what faction to join if you will if that makes any kind yeah. of sense See, this like, is,
2: which makes this like a super coming of age story I mean like you had him in the in the uh, Force Awakens very adolescent very children trying to take on these roles of like the past now you have them as teenagers kylo especially trying to strike out do his own thing they've decided who they are that's where it's progressing toward that's where it's moving In this next film, I really hope we see them. We we hope the payoff. Right.
1: That what we introduce in this film actually has some significance in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah.
0: So I I think Kylo is actually the only character, in my opinion, of course, that moves forward, that has some sort of growth. Like we see Luke do the same thing on the light side, you know, by the end of Jedi. Kylo Ren has essentially done the same thing, you know, rather than continue on the traditions of, you know, dark side users or the Sith or whatever. Right you know, he's broken from that tradition much in the same way that Luke has broken from the tradition of the Jedi, which is is a nice kind of contrast. You know, getting into Finn, we talk about Finn's last arc. He's a stormtrooper, decides to join the fight, whether it's for personal reasons or for the greater good. You know, mostly it's for Rey. But he wakes up, like you said, TJ, he's all about Rey. He wants to go out and keep Rey from basically returning to this Fucking KTLA five car chase that's going on <laughs> to the galaxy. <laughs> He wants, he wants to seek her out so she doesn't travel back into a bad situation. But then we get introduced to Rose, who pretty much spends the whole movie talking into Finn's ear about the realities of galactic conflict, along with Benicio Del Toro's character, DJ. He doesn't have an official name, but that's what you call him, because his thing says don't join, which is kind of in your face about the, the themes <laughs> of the movie. Yeah. Why though? Like, Why does Finn, a former stormtrooper who witnessed the cruelty of the First Order firsthand, need to take lessons from Rose and Benicio Del Toro when he's experienced both sides of the conflict. You know what I'm saying? They go on this pointless goose chase for the Master Code Breaker. You think that motherfucker's really gonna leave his casino and go into this fucking star fight that you guys are having in the middle of nowhere in the Outer Rim or wherever the fuck they are? You really think he's gonna join? He doesn't give a shit, man. He's gambling and shit and having drinks and Yeah, he's got his space bitch blowing on his space dice. That's all I'm talking about, man. space (laughs) dot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so i i just thought it was silly to even think that he was gonna go there and the way maz introduces the guy everything is just so i don't know what to do i gotta find something for these guys to do because I, I don't really care you know here are the things that i want in the movie fuck i forgot i have these other characters that need to do something
1: yeah and here's the thing Moz says oh i can do it but no i need to send you this on this elaborate mission to find somebody else
2: but the director wanted to show this planet, so here we go. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to show Maz too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Again, who who totally could have been Leia? Who totally could, could
1: have, have been, been
3: yeah. any any other person on the planet
1: any, or in the galaxy? Yeah, yeah. Any, stab, any established character. Yeah. And,
0: and I'm glad you guys are bringing this up because what should have happened is that Rose should have been the master code breaker. Think about this: she's an engineer, a mechanic, right? Her sister just died, which means she has more motivation than ever to do things for the Resistance, right? She's the one that points out that they're tracking them through hyperspace. She understands how their tracking works with the lead ships. Why couldn't their mission just be shortened entirely? You know, as much as I love the look of Cantobite. It's probably one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie from a production value perspective. I love the creatures. I, I love like the gold and the, the way they integrate fashion and sci-fi. I, I, love, I love the way Canto Bight looks, the casino. But you know, moving away from that, why couldn't they just skip the whole Canto Bight thing, not contact Maz at all, and Post sends them on a mission directly to the Star Destroyer. That way, we can spend more time with Finn and Rose, right? This gives us an opportunity for them to be undercover in that starship much longer. Finn can give his backstory about what it's like to be a stormtrooper and give the audience exposition on where the First Order came from, how they operate. He can tell Rose that, in turn telling the audience that, right? Rose can be our POV character, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Rose can- Give her more
2: relevance. Yeah,
0: Rose can go through the cycle of grief over her sister dying by confronting what killed her head on, the First Order. She can vent, she can fight, she can deal with all these guys, she can express her anger in a more appropriate location rather than deal with the themes of classism that weren't the cause of her sister's death at all. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't that. It was tyranny and yeah, it's destruction. Tyranny
2: and they just kinda of looped it into classism.
0: Yeah. Move them just send them straight to the ship. They can spend the entire movie there. And we don't have to worry about them getting back on time because they're they're there. They can be undercover the whole time. And then Finn can give more backstory to Phasma who he fights at the end of the movie he can talk about Phasma build up the character it's, it's, so when they fight it means more but
3: Kerwin why would you ever do that let's go spend millions and millions <laughs> of dollars on this casino area
2: and it's
3: it's on this visual horses. spectacle add yeah. literally nothing <laughs> to the movie let's, let's see,
2: let's <laughs> Ben is such an interesting character to me because he does feel because at the beginning he's fish out of water. He has like no identity. He has no... and he's given all that by Poe right in the beginning of Force Awakens. And this one, like I said earlier, he kind of resets to where he's sort of driven by fear, except of fear being found out. He's fear over what's going to happen to Rey. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would have been much more relevant to see him more matured, more. Now he's the one. Trying to take control of the grief-ridden Rose, or trying to convince, you know, trying
0: to trying to help her out in right. to some degree. And yeah. I'm not, and I ain't saying like, look, I know we got a lot of female characters. I'm not saying that Finn should be, you know, finger wagging at her. No, or like whatever. it could
2: it could have just as easily been her little a little brother to her, like whatever, like yeah, like it's just, she, it's just to see Finn in a matured role, yeah, in a and mentor type role,
0: exactly. And that scene would serve both characters. Like it's not Finn necessarily like finger waving at her. He'd be like, here's exposition that you and the audience need to know, as well as here's Rose that we can use as an example of what this war does to the everyday person on a personal scale, as opposed to this force wielding galactic scale right that would have been a great opportunity
2: and again it makes me wonder if part of the character of Rose is just to address fan rumors that like are Rose are Finn and uh, Ray gonna hook up like are they gonna have a romantic relationship yeah and I and I, the Rose character is meant to squash that I feel
3: do you think do you really think that's what it is it, feels feel forced like if it does feel because she as you say
2: as, as you say that, that I feel like that's what it is because she has such a minuscule part otherwise especially her death her death has no purpose other than to refuel Finn the final you know the final kiss and I don't I don't mind their chemistry together at all it's just Just that like... Oh, she's Where alive. Do you,
4: she doesn't she's die. She's alive. She's alive. I she died at the nah, end. No, she's alive. She's I thought alive so too, right. but then yeah. she's in the trailer for the next <laughs> one.
2: For, for a movie a movie forget
1: I said that. For a movie that can <laughs> kill anybody with uh, no question or consequence or reasoning, they decide to keep her alive. Well, that being said, yes, <laughs> I still
2: do believe that she was meant to sort of deter from the like. No, Ray's going to do her own thing. Which, okay,
1: I didn't know she was alive. So real even. quick, we got to talk. Well, about Well, Captain Fazlow was alive too. I mean, yeah, you know, we thought she died and yeah. she, she, she came back. She came back for a for to die again now is this just me or
2: does this mean that the movie's somewhat unmemorable
0: <laughs> it, it's memorable because of all the flaws I would say but going back to Rose and Finn Finn is about to you know, sacrifice himself to the battering ram cannon, right? Because he's fighting for the greater good. He's like, you know, the only way to save all these people is to sacrifice them. And then fucking Rose comes out of fucking nowhere and hits him and says, we shouldn't die killing the ones we hate. We should live for the ones we love or whatever. But
2: doesn't that go against everything she was telling him about?
0: And that makes zero sense because if you look at it, her sister died. Her literal other half died. The one with the yin yang necklace, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it make more sense for her to learn that lesson since she's so hateful of the First Order? Right. It would have more impact if she was the one to Rose learn that reverse.
2: lesson. Like maybe if she was heading... She was on she the warpath. Right. And then Finn said something like that to her.
0: Yeah. That's not the way you should do it. You got to live. Right. Yeah. Because right. Finn has found somebody to live for, Rey, and he wants to encourage her to keep living on and not throw her life away. Right. And that that would make more sense. But I have a practical issue with this, because Finn is about to save everybody, right? He's going to destroy the cannon. Rose comes out of fucking nowhere, says, "Uh, save the one you love, blah, blah blah," and kisses him. super awkward. Even Finn looks like, "What the <laughs> fuck just happened? I already like somebody. We already matched, whatever. And she like knocks out. So okay, Rose, so you go in, you tell Finn he's stupid for trying to sacrifice himself. What was your plan? Because now the cannon's still going off. What was your yeah, plan yeah, yeah.
2: You, you've doomed everybody if anything that just shows her character's lack of development and she's still trying to protect somebody she loves yeah rather so I'm looking I, at the bigger picture
0: I think this character had a huge potential that wasn't explored by Ryan Johnson I, I don't know why he introduced her. I understand Canto Bite is a whole classism allegory, but it just does not work in the context of this film, and I don't think you needed Rose to do it, and if you added Rose, she should've fulfilled the role of like the techie-type character who serves as a POV to the audience.
2: Especially when we had so many other themes to explore that didn't get explored. Yeah. Poe's a piece of shit in this movie. He was movie. very childish and... He's a, he's a piece yeah. of shit. Yeah,
3: I... For as likable as he was in the first one, too. The second time I'm watching this, I grew to understand like their frustration with him like Leia's frustration what was the other chick the purple, purple?
1: Uh, Admiral Haldo yeah. Laura yeah. Dern Laura Dern <laughs> yes Haldo uh, Dern
3: uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Park lady like yeah. uh, I understand their frustration because he is like He's a, a huge a
1: gigantic a child. Yeah, he was a hothead. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I liked him in Force Awakens, but in this, like It's literally like when you're making plans and there's a kid in the background wanting to know what's going on, and as you're discussing what you're gonna do, he keeps yelling what's gonna happen, go, like, you, know, you know? And
4: you think he like learned his lesson? Because like the first thing that he does is which by the way, like the, the whole opening sequence I thought was really, really well done and like the bombers are trying to like fly over that enemy ship and you have someone who's like trying to get the little activator thing to press a button. Anyways. Um but then he got back on the ship and Leia like slapped him and was like, you're <laughs> like, you need to follow orders. So you'd think that he'd like learn his lesson, but no, he he, didn't. he got people
0: killed. For sure. Killed. And I think that's a great way to start the movie because we didn't really get a sense of who Poe was in that first movie. I mean, let's be real. He was but supposed, he was supposed to, to... Yeah. Yeah, he's supposed to die. So I think it's cool that he finally has something going on, but like he doesn't learn anything by the end of this movie. Like well. When you really think about it, if it wasn't for Poe, all those escape ships wouldn't have got blown up on their way to crate. because he sent... Finn and Rose to Canto Bite. they brought back Benicio Del Toro to the lead battleship Benicio Del Toro betrays them to Phasma Phasma finds out that the escape ships are using cloaking devices and then they directly target those ships so it's Poe's fault that even more people got killed by the end of this movie like he should be on fucking he should be on trial yeah. Right. He should be executed or, okay, no, I don't Arrested support that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, they should throw him in the brig or something. Spank him or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not that whoa, kind of whoa, movie. Whoa. <laughs> that spanking. That's point. a different kind of movie. You might find that on Tumblr a couple <laughs> years ago. Poe's not likable to me in this movie. I, I, I don't really care for him. How do y'all feel about Leia?
1: I was okay with Leia because in all the films from Jedi to even Force Awakens, she didn't exhibit any kind of force powers. And I was okay with that. I feel like she never got formally trained. And then somehow she's now able to fly through space. And that's not really explained. Yeah.
2: I love her. <laughs> I love her matriarchal figure in this in the Resistance. She's like the one holding it all together, it seems star wars nerds please forgive me but when yoda says no there is another back in episode what is it uh five, four or five is he referring to leia
0: all right so you know back in the original trilogy episode yeah. we mentioned that uh george lucas's original plan was to introduce uh luke's twin sister who was not leia
2: so there are triplets
0: there was, no no they weren't related at all he at first he re, yeah he rewrote it so that Leia was Luke's twin sister to kind of wrap things up. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you were supposed to meet Luke's twin sister and she was already a Jedi. So that's
2: that's why there's that little bit of chemistry between them because it's pretty it's pretty heavy. <laughs> it's pretty uncomfortable almost. Just that sort of love triangle between her, Luke, and Han. Uh, she's yeah, because sort of yeah. no one at the time when they were filming knew that Right, taunting Han by showing Luke some affection and even, uh, what is it, Han says something like, you know, she's pretty cute. Like Luke just shoots it down like, no, she's not or she wouldn't go for you. Oh, you think good? a
0: guy like me Yeah, and girl like that he's yeah. like no I don't yeah there's definitely some love triangle shit and I think that was just a way to squash that I, okay. I, I guess
2: so so that was kind of something that's sort of clumsily left like a line that has should have had more impact that didn't end up going anywhere due to like rewrites
0: uh, by Lucas in, back in the day I think he just I think he just he had an idea and he realized he couldn't follow through with it by the time he got in the number of movies that he wanted because
2: this her using the force sort of in this malevolent way that we haven't seen anybody we haven't seen anyone survive space by using the force before mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with her doing it but this sort of ties into that to me like her untapped potential of the force
0: look in a world where this movie's better written I don't have a problem with a lot of these things I think Carrie Fisher does a way better job acting in this movie Yeah, I agree period like she's one of my favorite characters in this whole movie only problem is she's in a coma the whole fucking well, movie yeah,
2: I do like a the movie did that thing of a twist of you were expecting her to pass away because of real life events sad to say yeah right and it did do the twist of she ended up surviving
0: All right, so, you know, we got to definitely address uh, Carrie Fisher's passing. Uh, Unfortunately, she passed away a year before the release of this movie. On December 23rd, 2016, during a flight from London to L.A., Carrie Fisher had a medical emergency and stopped breathing about uh, 15 minutes before the plane was supposed to land. Uh, She received CPR on the plane, and uh, once she landed in L.A., she was taken directly to the hospital. Carrie Fisher would later pass away on December 27th, 2016, at the age of 60 uh, while she was in intensive care. Uh, It was officially stated that she died from sleep apnea and other factors, uh, suffering from cardiac arrest, According to a June 2017 Greensboro article, uh, her autopsy report showed that she had cocaine and other drugs in her system, but uh, there's no way to measure the impact that the drugs might've had on her you know, health scare and emergency, that's what uh, the autopsy pretty much came up with.
3: But then we talk about, or maybe I brought this up, I think we were talking about the original trilogy when like, I wanna say it's when they're in the Millennium Falcon and she goes to grab, it's either Han or Luke, and like her pinky, Nail is really long. Like I feel like this has been something she struggled with for a long part of her career. Or some, maybe some of
0: these drugs, but I, I don't know. Her brother, uh, Todd Fisher, um, he said he wasn't shocked by the report at all. Um, and okay. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> yeah, Kinda sums
3: it up. Right. Yeah,
0: but um, yeah, he says he wasn't shocked by the toxicology report at all, and that his family actually didn't even want a coroner's investigation um you know like we spoke about Carrie Fisher did suffer from mental illness and drug addiction and she was taking additional medication for mental illness uh, in addition to the recreational drug she was taking on his sister's usage and the doctors that kind of prescribed her medication Todd Fisher says quote they were doing their best to cure a mental disorder can you really blame them you know for prescribing her more medication Um, and he says you know without her drugs, she would have died years ago that's pretty much what he said Carrie Fisher's daughter Billy Lord who's in this movie um, she released a statement about her mom's death saying um, my mom battled drug addiction and mental illness her entire life she ultimately died of it she was purposefully open in all her work about the social stigmas surrounding these diseases. She talked about the shame that torments people and their families confronted by these diseases. I know my mom, she'd want her death to encourage people to be open about their struggles, seek help, fight for government funding for mental health programs. Shame and those social stigmas are the enemies of progress to solutions and ultimately finding a cure. So, you know, Carrie Fisher has always kind of been open about her own struggles with drug addiction and, you know, her mental illness. So when you think about how her death is publicized and all that other stuff. I think her daughter looks at it from a positive perspective that it needs to be brought to light. You know, what somebody who struggles with this stuff kind of has to deal with.
2: No, I was going to say props to her family. Those seem like very, very dignified, very mature statements. Mm-hmm. Very well thought out. Who was her daughter in this movie? Uh,
0: she was, she's like the blonde hair. They never really say her name, mm-hmm. but she, I, she's the one that helps Poe. On the bridge? On the yeah, bridge. On the yeah. Bridge. Okay. yeah. Oh, okay. That's her. And uh, you know one more thing, uh, Carrie Fisher's mom Debbie Reynolds she passed away the day after Carrie Fisher died. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, which is which really sucks. Yeah, I remember that. Um, after Carrie Fisher was cremated, uh, her brother and daughter decided to place her ashes in a giant Prozac pill uh, as a last nod to her openness with her personal struggles. If you don't know what Prozac is, antidepressant. It's used to treat depression, OCD, PTSD, and other things. On why they decided to place her ashes in a Prozac pill, uh, her brother said uh, Carrie favorite possession was a giant prozac pill that she bought many years ago she loved it and it was in her house and billy and i felt that was where she'd want to be so you know she's a comedian she's a funny person i think she would appreciate that that's where they put it
3: It takes a big person to like kind of understand your addiction for better or worse whatever it is but just like kind of accept it make light of it and then your family to make light of it i mean that's
2: no, like, like, she, like you were like you saying,
3: just it's like pretty mature people. Yeah, it like shows
2: the, it shows a closeness.
3: It's like a, it's like a shit thing to go through. Like everyone has addictions, but it's like to understand it. And I'm sure she
0: was struggling with it her whole life. And it's like it's just what it is. And it's just like it, you're like you're right. Yeah. It's pretty mature. So you know, her death obviously affected this trilogy. Not necessarily the movie because it was done before she'd passed away. On Carrie Fisher's death, Ryan Johnson said that they really had conversations, him and Kathleen Kennedy, about changing the movie so that she dies in it, um, with one of the scenes being where the TIE fighters shoot the torpedo on the bridge. But Ryan Johnson says that that would require them to cut out a lot of what she did in this movie, a lot of her scenes with Luke and mm-hmm. Ray. So they opted to keep her in because they didn't want to lose those really important scenes in the movie
3: so her having this force like capability
2: like is an afterthought so yeah was that like original then like always meant to happen like Like, yeah that was always meant to happen okay oh oh okay and and they could have
4: ended it to coincide with her real life death but they didn't want to because they would have had to cut so much other stuff out
3: right so this is their bridge of, like, making that happen is... It was already there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay.
4: They, oh, were okay. just, so, they were just thinking of the third movie, like, how do we... Yeah. Oh, That, okay. Was, okay. that was more okay. of their consideration.
0: Okay. Yeah, because they said if they if they altered anything in Last Jedi, they would lose a lot
2: of the good stuff she did. So this was a case in where real life did not affect the film. Yeah, they, they decided to not let it, yes.
1: But it did, if, I stand, if I'm correct, it, it did affect episode nine just because they had to kind of change the direction they were going to go with. I know... They had to
0: reuse
4: shots... Yeah, they had to reuse
1: yeah. shots. And I, 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 there was a talk about, well, you know, with the way technology is and how they were able to recreate a young Carrie Fisher in, you know, Rogue, Rogue, Rogue One, were they going to do kind of the same technology for, you know, the Rise of Skywalker. And I, I think, as far as I know, the state actually gave them permission to do so. But J.J. and whoever's in charge, they were kind of set against it. So, mm-hmm. so they recycling shots. Yeah, now. they're just really just recycling shots from The Force Awakens. Okay. Yeah.
0: Moving on, you know, to the last character, we got Luke. So Mark Hamill's finally in the new Star Wars movie for more than 0. 0.5 seconds, like we said before.
2: <laughs> what do you guys think about Luke? There was no reason for him to die in that.
1: Like I, 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 no, I felt his whole character arc was a huge step back from Return of the Jedi. I just felt like it's just very disappointing. He, yeah, he was like a he was a bitter old man, and like he was he kind failed. Yeah. I I think we're kind of hoping for like a Qui
3: Gon or like maybe like a a Miyagi kind of type person to like train uh, Rey. And it's like, we got some bitter old fuck (laughs) that's like.
2: Who's just decided to carry the weight of the failure of all the Jedi's past, even before his time, on his shoulders. Even though he's not responsible for it. Right. But But he feels like, and again, maybe as the last Jedi, he feels responsible for all Jedi's past. Sound uh, like
3: he needs, like, Carrie Fisher's Prozac. Is that what
0: kind of guessing? Nah, he needs those power converters from Tashi Station. That's that's what he needs. But, I
3: mean, I don't know what you think, Carmen, but I like... It's cool to see him. I, it's cool to see Mark Hamill. I mean, I like seeing him as Cockknocker in uh, Jane, Simon Bob. I love seeing him as that. But, like, to see him in this, like, as Luke Skywalker again, it's like, it's pretty cool. I'll, I'll be honest. I was like, all right, this is kind of badass. But then it's like, I feel like you're almost immediately let down because you're, like, hoping for, again, someone to, like, be this ultimate trainer show Ray the ways of the force and like get some cool like almost like rocky training montage or something
2: like and the trailer did kind of sell us on that like when she was you know uh, using you know sword fighting on that rock sort of practicing like we we, sold us that we were going to get that and we get a little bit a very tiny, but bit.
3: it's a very tiny bin. Right. I think we we're all hoping, like, to see something like different and see like some crazy ass training. And it's like we we didn't get shit. Well, know? like it
2: set us up like that weird scene where he was milking those weird like uh, space cow manatee things.
1: Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was I mean, like
2: he's like milking them. Those ones. Yeah, yeah. Remember those? They just had their big like cow udders just sitting out there. Yeah, like, even Ray's look is just like, what the fuck are we doing? Here? I mean, like <laughs> it set up almost to be a Miyagi esque type thing where she's yeah. doing little chores around there to be humble. <laughs> but exactly, but yeah. yeah. As soon as she enters that uh, that weird sort of dark side den he shuts it down completely. Like Mm -hmm. then it really, that's really when it like completely stopped, all momentum for a training. Yeah.
0: Okay, I can understand you being bitter, whatever. I can understand you being depressed, whatever. But I have a really hard time believing that he would give up entirely. Like I, I came here to die. Like really, you came here to die? Like you said, this is a huge step back in his character because we spoke about episode six. He succeeded because he diverted from the path and the teachings of the Jedi. He didn't go to kill Vader. He went to redeem him whereas the Jedi wanted him to
2: kill him Well, because in the originals luke is hope luke represents hope in all of it he's the new hope and now hope is faded i think it's so
0: stupid that he's back to the point prior to his conquering of the jedi's mistakes in episode six it doesn't make any sense to me and we turn him into this like bitchy whiny character and he's he's almost antagonistic to ray i feel so bad for ray i I, i'm just like ray just leave you don't need. You don't need to be around this. Like when
1: you see a
2: verbally abusive old guy or something.
1: I feel like he's become what George Lucas became for this whole franchise, where he's become the cynical old man. He even alludes to it, like, so you want to use these laser swords to. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. No, that was, that's a good, that's a very good. Uh, okay, so now that you bring that, that up, that's, that, that is great. That is a good thing because I feel like if this movie is going to be that meta, do you think that Luke Skywalker might be a representation of George Lucas?
2: And I never, re- you just blew my mind a little bling. Yeah. That's a really great, like a. Uh,
3: because I thought that was weird too really. when you used that term, like these lasers. I mean, that, like, that's hey, a George, that's hey, a George. <laughs> like you've used a lightsaber, like don't act like you've never touched one of these things. Like you know what it's called, like don't say it like this old guy. Geese are like, hell, you're
0: a little light, like laser swords. <laughs> that, is, you know? that is a huge hint because we spoke about this. Like, George Lucas always we calls a lightsaber laser swords. swords. And for Luke to do that, I think it makes a lot more sense now. But I think it's to the detriment of the overall story, once again, yeah. you know, being too meta. I think Luke just might be a representation of George Lucas, somebody who's given up on, <laughs> who's, who's given up or is bitter about change or letting things go or that. Like or the, he failed or something. I don't know. even
2: with like the post, uh, the post original trilogy, like the you know the books, the comics. I think George Lucas has even said before, you know, in his potential plans for like sequels, like Luke never gets married. Luke never does that. Like you know what I mean. He always keeps it real low key. He like says that. the
0: Emperor's not a clone. Right. The Emperor's not
2: a clone. Luke never gets married. Uh, you do want to see him live a, that he led a life after this that he did something substantial.
0: That is an interesting thing. Still bothers me, though. Yeah. I I feel like the Luke Skywalker that we met and left off with in episode six, he wouldn't just go to this planet where the first Jedi Temple is to die. He would go there to learn what are the mistakes that I've made and how to conquer those. And I'm going to make sure I don't make those mistakes with Rey. I feel like that's something he would do. And I think the biggest offense to his character is introducing Yoda. Introducing Yoda was an awful idea because this is a guy that Luke has surpassed both in his methodology and and ability. Why do we have to bring back Yoda to teach Luke a lesson that he himself taught Yoda back in episode six?
1: I mean, I think it's fan service more than anything. We have to see Yoda, but I mean, Yoda, the sacred texts. The, the, what's the importance of it? We don't really get any. It was like shown.
2: The sacred texts brought up for the first time in the movies, I think, just or like visually there, just mm. just to do like you know. What just we're to have Yoda, like you know. just, They're Like we're going in a new direction. but not the past.
0: Like, and there's a tree that we don't fucking care about. <laughs> there's the books we don't give a <laughs> that fuck Yoda about. Yoda has a ghost lightning blast. <laughs> it's just it's just all over the place. Like Luke's...
2: I do love that they use the puppet for Yoda though, instead of trying to go with yes. the CGI for, I it love looked that, that, that puppet, was a puppet
0: looked awful. But it was supposed
2: to. Yeah. Like it was supposed now to be more of a call more of a call to the old No, the
0: suspension of disbelief is not
2: there for me. <laughs> but to be fair, you didn't want Yoda there in the first place.
0: I didn't want him there in the first yeah. place. Yeah. I feel like it was a huge
3: step back. But even like anything like any sequel is fan service when you think about yeah. it. Like you're talking about any movie franchise, like of course the fans wanna know what happens, you know, after you yeah. know, Neo fi- figures out like, okay, <laughs> he's like outside the matrix he's and the he one. figures it out. He's the one. Uh back to the future, like, oh, well, they went to the past, so what happens when they go to the future? Like every sequel is fan service. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're gonna get that, we're gonna get Yoda in this, we're gonna Everyone shove shit in when, when you gonna just allow shove the, in The
4: fan service to dictate the story, that's the problem. Right. It's all for the fans, of course, but you can't let that be the driving force for the storytelling. Because like how you said that
2: too, the driving force, <laughs> <like>. <laughs> driving oh. force that awakened. We well, no, because that's that that's that fine line. Because ideally, the directors of these themselves will be fans. So I'm hoping for that. Sure. So I'm hoping that in their art, in their piece, the hope is that the execution is there.
3: And that's the thing, going to different directors and stuff like this. Of course, like you go to JJ right, Abrams, right. like, oh yeah, he's a fan. That's why he wants to do this. And right. it's like, or whoever is going to be the director, it's like, yeah, of
2: course, they're all fans. Like, which is like, why I can cut the director some slack in that he did what he wanted to do for a Star Wars movie. I just would have liked to have seen it more, I guess, fresh without public pressures. You're an artist. You're a director. Let me see what you've got. Let me see what your is your but, pure idea of it. But is. let's be honest, man. The
3: world's ever changing. So fast yeah. and it's like you gotta be relevant but you gotta appease all these people and it's
0: like you got it's gotta all about walking those lines, dude. Yeah it is. It's crazy. So we talk about JJ Abrams directed Force Awakens, right? Yeah. yeah. Um JJ Abrams, he actually did leave an outline for where the story should go after episode seven. Uh there's an interview that Daisy Ridley did where she says, uh J.J. wrote Episode 7, and he also wrote drafts for 8 and 9, and then Ryan showed up and rewrote The Last Jedi entirely. I believe there was some sort of general consensus on the main storylines that would happen in the trilogy, but apart from that, we agreed that every director should probably make his own movie his own way. Uh, Ryan and J.J. met many times to discuss The Last Jedi, although Episode 8 is very much mostly Ryan's, and I do believe Ryan didn't keep anything from the first draft of Episode 8 that J.J. wrote. Do you think that's a bummer? Yes,
2: and see yeah. like we were talking about earlier I love the continuity in the story going in it was going to be three different directors for three different movies right yes for the continuity's sake like I would have liked to see even more than Ryan's pure vision I would have liked to see JJ's you know complete vision for the new trilogy when
3: well, mm-hmm. we saw Force Awakens maybe we could have the last shot like on Hoth it's like a snow like just like I, Empire he he, I'm hey, just saying hey that. for all I'm we know kidding. he might I'm have
0: he might have just remade Empire for all we yeah, know. I'm <laughs> know I'm just joking but so, wouldn't that be funny though <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> would be yeah, hilarious like really we, start, we start off on a snow planet I, I would walk out of the theater. <laughs> yeah. but, no,
3: I swear guys, it's different. I
2: swear. Yeah. gets yeah, knocked out by a yeti.
0: <laughs> but JJ did say that. After he read the script for 8, he kind of regretted not coming back for the second movie. Because it was offered to him before they went with the three director approach. And he said he was tapping out after 7. But after he saw the script, he's like, man, I, I wish I was making this movie.
2: And it was after the movie when he decided to come back or when he was offered
0: to uh, He was hired to come back before Last Jedi came out. Oh, really? Yeah, back in 2017. Oh,
4: because because so he did The Rise of Skywalker?
0: Yeah, he did The Rise of Skywalker.
2: Uh, and did he opt out for other projects or just because he wanted to keep it sort of his one contribution to the... You know, okay. Star Wars: zeitgeist
0: Okay, so you know we we'll ooh, there's a lot of shit to get into. So much stuff. We stop solo. Okay, so <laughs> we'll we'll get in we'll get into the other directors. Is there
2: anything else you want to get into year?
0: Okay, well, you know, as far as people's responses, you know that it was pretty divided. Previously, Force Awakens, Daisy Ridley. Deleted her Instagram social media accounts, right? Because she was facing harassment. Mm, That's terrible. Yeah, and then uh, Kelly Marie Kelly Marie Tran Tran. that plays Rose, she she deleted or she kind of removed herself from social media as well.
2: As someone who didn't like that character, why are you going to attack the actor? Like, that's just she didn't write her own character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: I thought I thought Rose was a potentially good character, but that's no fault of the actor. Right, I had
2: no problem with her acting. Yeah, If anything, it just shows more of her acting, being in that character.
0: Yeah, so, you know, there's there's a lot of that backlash. There's a lot of, you know, we talked about Rotten Tomatoes. Captain Marvel was kind of the nail that sealed it all, right? Like, the last straw, but this movie, and Solo, did experience a lot of like a review bombing with people lowering the score intentionally before the movie got released. So that was definitely a a big deal, you know, because of the same reasons we mentioned for Force Awakens or whatever.
2: So do you think that has a part with the giant difference between the critics rating versus the audience rating as part of the intentional bombing?
0: I will say that the intentional bombing does play a factor but I think based on our discussion and the people that we know that we interact with like there are people that have legitimate concerns with this movie we shouldn't make the mistake of lumping everybody that dislikes a movie into that one column of assholes right because that is a very vocal and toxic minority of any sort of fan base and yeah we we need to expose those people kind of bring to light all oh, the struggles of all different people and all that other stuff like I said previously But the mistake that I have seen being made is that people are quick to lump people into a group if they don't like Last Jedi. Right. You're clinging to the past. You're sexist. You're racist. You don't like diversity. People are quick to tag you as those things if you don't like this movie because there are people that think this is the worst Star Wars movie. And then there are people that think this movie is the absolute best. You're free to feel how you want anywhere in between. I'm perfectly fine with that. And there's dumbass reasons to hate this movie. Like, let's be real. There are fucking idiots out there that hate this movie for reasons that are beyond the movie that have no... Nothing to do with the actual product itself. But I feel like a lot of times we've made the mistake of lumping people that have legit criticisms with the narrative of this film into the same category as those idiots. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's unfortunate, once again, that, you know, these actors got to deal with a lot of this shit. I think, you know, for all the, the shit we talk about this movie, I don't hate Ryan Johnson. Like, he doesn't owe me anything. Why do I got to hate him? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I don't dislike him as a person. I don't even know him as a person. I dislike this movie Mm -hmm. the other movies by him that I have seen are great Knives Out is fucking great Looper's a really good movie I'm not gonna judge his character because he made a a movie I didn't like
2: well yeah you can't get personal on a professional product it's just childish to attack him as a person based off of how this movie made you feel because you took it too seriously. Yeah, it's it's
0: just really stupid. And I do want to talk about two things. Um, I want to talk about Mark Hamill's response to this movie as well as Kathleen Kennedy's response um, because I think they were kind of very telling about how this movie went. So Ryan Johnson had complete creative control with this movie. You know, we talked about Rogue One and we're going to get into Solo in a bit, but Ryan Johnson was free to write and direct this movie the way he saw fit. And from what I've read, and seen and heard or whatever he had very little interference from Lucasfilm unlike you know Force Awakens there was some pushback Uh, Rogue One they had to bring in Tony Gilroy for Solo they fired the directors but for this movie production ran smooth as hell and they got it done quick so so Um, Regarding Mark Hamill's comments, Mark Hamill is openly stated like he fundamentally disagrees with everything that Ryan Johnson did with his character of Luke. He says in an interview, how did the most optimistic, hopeful character in the galaxy turn into this hermit? who says it's time for the Jedi to end. That's not what a Jedi does. A Jedi is optimistic, he has tenacity, he never gives up, and he never subcludes himself on an island. He later apologized in a tweet, you know, later on, and I'm assuming that came from Lucasfilm, saying like, hey, <laughs> that's bad press, <laughs> I mean, like. Can <laughs> I
4: just say, though, like, I feel like the whole point of this last trilogy is to say that there is both light and darkness, that a person is not 100% light or dark. Mm. That's what we've been with both Rey and with Kylo Ren. I don't think it's like completely out of the realm of possibility that going through a traumatic experience like having an apprentice turn on you and almost kill you would turn you into someone who is questioning what you spent your life doing. I don't think that that's so crazy to think that that would happen. You know what I mean? Like he's supposed to be the Jedi and he's supposed to be like, you know, super one with the force or whatever. But I also feel like He's still a human, Mm -hmm. and there's still pulls to both sides, I would think. I don't know.
3: Luke just seems like a shitty Yoda with an attitude. (laughs) Like, when we see, like, in episode five, like, with, you know, Luke and Yoda, like, Yoda's, like, living kind of, like, in a remote area, Mm. kind of like that. That is true. Kind of, like, older, just like. Hermit? Yeah, kind of hermitish, but still. Or Kermit. (laughs) <laughs> or Kermit, uh, but still, but, but he's still kind of positive. Yeah, yeah, he's still so optimistic. He's not real optimistic about Luke as a as a Jedi at first, but I think it's to push him. But here, it's like Yoda and Luke, but it's like just super negative. Like, yeah, it's like he's
0: antagonistic. Yeah, yeah Yoda was
2: testing Luke, sort of to kind of see his commitment, and see where he's pushing him. Yeah, right. Whereas Luke was just like, no, I'm not joking with you. This isn't a test. No, I 100% don't want to train you. Yeah, like,
3: uh, like that's, how kinda, I, that's how I kind of, I thought because it felt weird because it's like we're like on this Greenland, <laughs> Ireland type island like in the middle of nowhere and it's just, and like just the way like he was living it felt Yoda-ish but it's, that's what but I think. And again,
2: just like to draw off the parallels, Yoda was in hiding because of the Empire. Yeah. Uh, especially as we saw uh, wrapping up on episode three, uh, which made sense. Uh, same as Obi-Wan. And again, Luke is in hiding because of the First Order. But again, that's another slop be parallel and then his attitude is like yeah like you said he's it's just like really shitty he's a shithead
0: yeah uh tj i agree with you i think it's important to kind of flesh out these people and explore that not everybody is one way or another way like black and white you know what i'm saying but i i think if the thing was written better overall because i think kylo ren's progress is the most interesting yeah i i find luke's story interesting But I think just the plot is just fucking all over the place and he doesn't know what to do with all the rest of these characters. Like if you cut out, if you took Finn, Rose, Poe, Holdo, Leia, and all these other motherfuckers out of the movie and you made an hour long movie about Luke, Kylo Ren, and Ray and Snoke and just focused on them, I think the movie would turn out better. That could have been a trilogy in itself. We'll see.
2: If if like, yeah, if like they took that time to flesh out more that Ray was Luke's redemption, that rather than being crotchety he was more discouraged you know and defeated by everything that happened with Kylo whereas Ray is the spark of hope the next generation he was looking for that could have gotten fleshed out way more mm-hmm. and would give him more of a purpose to make you know the little sacrifice towards the end
0: mm-hmm. I, I thought hologram Luke was badass though personally, yeah. I, personally. I, once I got
2: over that just for men then yeah yeah. yeah that was no, that was pretty cool uh, too I
3: like the hologram Luke yeah. too
2: in my memory he's when that hologram he's wearing dark clothing right like sort of black and dark brown it's like brown, brown, and brown and gray, gray which, I, which I always thought was interesting about Luke's character of in the first episode he's on all white and then you know when we get to episode uh, six he's uh, wearing all black all because black. the characters have always been literally in their wardrobe very black and white the Sith are always in black mm-hmm. uh, Anakin gets starts wearing darker clothes towards the end in episode three I just thought that was very interesting that Luke I maybe mean, I'm the only one but just his darker clothing I, sort of played both sides I
3: think it's just the environment they're in mm-hmm. it, it made him more visible that's kind of like my initial thought it's oh, because over it's over all the visuals of it. yeah I okay. just, you can see him now yeah that if he would have got washed out out if he was
0: in like, if, like he's wearing the a tan island. or a light-colored clothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of the last things that uh, Mark Hamill has said, he did talk about the deleted scenes. There's a scene where he kind of shows his emotion about Han dying, which is not in the movie. They say Han is dead, and you don't really get to see him sit on that for a little bit. About that, Mark Hamill did say, you know, they had time to show me milking a big alien, but. To- <laughs> they didn't have enough time to show me showing human emotion.
2: It feels like Mark's on our side. <laughs> yeah, he well, I mean, look, he's
0: he's got an attachment to the character. And speaking directly on Ryan Johnson, he said, um, I think Ryan has a lot of thought provoking ideas in the film. It seems callous for him to just ignore the old Luke because the old Luke would be more like Ray, you know, lightsaber blazing. And he also kinda expressed disappointment that the third lesson is not in this movie because Luke says I have three lessons and that's it. He never teaches Ray a third lesson that's in a deleted that's scene. That's true. Oh, wow. And he says there are scenes in where Luke, although he's still a total dick, he has a sense of humor, like an old master, Mr. Miyagi type character, where he still expresses some sort of humor around Ray. And he says a lot of that shit was cut out of the movie, unfortunately. So like his character comes off even more bitter because of what was edited out. There's some humor, but it's very dry. Mm-hmm. It's like office style yeah, like type everything humor. Everything you
2: just said was wrong. <laughs> like yeah. I, I love that line. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. He's like, amazing.
0: Everything you just said is wrong. When he has
4: like the feather and he's, or whatever it is, the stick. <laughs> and he just like slaps her it. with it. Yeah. 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 I, I li- yeah. I like that. I appreciate that. that.
0: And then, you know, moving on to Kathleen Kennedy before we go on to Solo. You know, there's a 2019 Rolling Stone interview that just came out this year. I encourage anybody who's kind of invested in Star Wars to go read it. But uh, it's a pretty, pretty candid interview where uh, Kathleen Kennedy talks about the development process and kind of the overall response to the new era of Star Wars as a whole. Um, she talks about how like every one of these new movies has been really tough to make because there's no source material to base it off of. There's no comic books, there's no novels to kind of adapt. She said Holly's favorite words, source, source material. Ma- shout out to Holly, yeah. Um, <laughs> They literally have to start from scratch every single time they make one of these movies, like a lot of original productions. You know, on The Last Jedi, she says that um, they were setting out to challenge uh, fan expectations and move Star Wars forward to keep it relevant, like we were talking about. They don't want to keep making the same Star Wars movie over and over again. And she also talks about how, you know, Empire Strikes Back was controversial. Temple of Doom was controversial cuz those movies are, you know, relatively dark compared to the previous movies and then she does go on to say that I love that we have these amazingly passionate fans that care so much And I know sometimes they may think we don't listen but we do and i thought it was fantastic that people got engaged you know as far as their responses it showed me and everybody else how much everybody cares and that's important for all of us that we're doing this we really look at them the fans as the custodians of this story as much as we are we look at it as kind of a partnership you know that being said you know i still hold on to my criticism that these four movies have been really reliant on nostalgia but I do appreciate that they have that mentality. So after nine comes out and there's no more Skywalker to cling to, I really am interested to see where they actually do go instead of just talking about it. All right, our final movie uh, in the Disney era, Star Wars movies is uh, Solo, a Star Wars story released May 25th, 2018, directed by Ron Howard, stars Alden Ehrenreich, Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, Donald Glover, Tandy Newton, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Junis Sutamu, and uh, Paul Bettany. 70% of critics on Rotten Tomatoes liked it, giving it an average score of 6.42 out of 10. 64% of the audience liked it, giving it an average score of 3.42 out of 5. Uh, its budget was uh, between $275 million and $300 million. Not exactly sure on the final number with that. Uh, opening weekend, it made $84 million. Its total domestic gross was $213.7 and its total worldwide gross was three hundred and 93 million. How do y'all feel about Solo? Just
4: to be clear, this was the lowest grossing film of the Star Wars franchise, right? This is
1: So not just Disney our entire franchise. I believe so. Okay. Do
2: you feel like this being such a low scoring movie was just a lack of fan interests? Like nobody was really super Jones for us. You know what's Han so, so interesting
4: to me is I agree, I, I don't know that anyone was asking for this, but I guess George Lucas was working on like a prequel for Han solo, which is very interesting to me because it is like his original idea that he was working on as he was selling it to Disney. Uh, They, I guess, just kind of like ran with it. Again, I asked myself if George Lucas put this movie out, would the fans
0: receive it better than they did because it was Disney? I think there's multiple reasons, obviously, but I think part of the reason that this movie wasn't so successful is that I think it came out way too soon after Last Jedi, Mm -hmm. right? After we'd just gotten three movies for, for the last three years. So within, in less than four years, we got four movies, right? Yeah. Um, number two, nobody really wanted a Han Solo movie. I think it's a character whose past is best left as is unexplored, if you're of the opinion of that, I guess. And then also, I think a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff became so public during the making of it that it really kind of dashed people's hopes about what it could be. Do you think if this came out in the 80s, right
3: after the trilogy, yeah. and you have Harrison Ford play this origin story, that might have been pretty
4: cool to yeah. see? Yeah, I think absolutely. the other big like the other draw drop- back from this film is that it's not Harrison Ford. It's clearly not Harrison Ford, who we know as Han Solo. And this only takes place like, I I think 10 years before A New Hope. I don't think it takes place that much earlier than when we first are introduced to harrison ford as han solo so it's clearly not Hans uh, harrison ford and i think that also kind of took
2: us out of the storyline a little bit keeping this point going do you think uh the last jedi left a bad taste in the mouth contributing to the poor uh, oh yeah financial even this. even that's ron howard right? said that that's that was another surprising thing with ron How- i forgot that ron howard's name was attached to this mm-hmm. like you think that would have been a big you know, audience pull as well. Yeah. But
0: look at the generation you're marketing to, right? That's also true. I know for me, when Han Solo was announced, I was like, word, like we're really doing a Han Solo movie, but... Once they announced that uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were directing this thing, right. I was hyped because I was like, yo, 21 and 22 Jump Street, Lego movie. Lego movie. Like, those guys really know how to balance character, craziness, wit. I think they could handle a reckless, brash, young Han Solo type character. I think they're the perfect guys for the job because, yo, know, if we're talking about these um, spin off movies, anthology films being uh, based on a particular director's or set of directors' vision, I think what better, what better? better? better tandem of directors has such a uh, storytelling style other than these two like they're younger Mm -hmm. relatively young right they have an amazing track record like all their movies have done well i mean they fucking got spider-verse and oscar after they were fired from this thing they went on to work on spider-verse right which is really interesting
2: disney seems to be going after very young talent for these directing roles like they like they know their audience yeah like gareth edwards
0: Mm -hmm. i mean he was he's a young ass dude only his third movie right right but like these guys are proven. And so, you know, when they were announced for Solo, a lot of people, including myself, were like, yo, I'm in. I wanna see these guys' vision. I'm interested now. And then once they got let go, I saw that disinterest came back up again. It's just like, these guys were the reason I wanted to see this movie and now they're not there anymore. So I I don't know if I'm interested. And I think so much of the behind the scenes stuff, one, came to light, but two, it was just so overblown that people just assumed that this movie was gonna suck, period. I'll be honest, like when I saw the trailer
4: or heard about the trailer or the movie, uh, the first thought that came into my head was like, oh, this is an obvious like cash grab to like just exploit the Star Wars universe even more which as we talked about is what Disney does um especially because we've seen so much you know like like we talked about earlier you used to have to wait three four years before you could get another star wars film in this universe and they've been just like pushing them out year after year so by the time this one came out it's like maybe our appetite is not what they thought it was
2: right
0: let's just jump right into kind of the release and the reaction um bob iger even kind of admitted that they made the mistake of releasing too many too fast and even mark hamill has come out and said you know they're might be some star wars fatigue like we've come out with all these movies so quickly and you know with the last one being so divisive with another one coming out you know less than six months later yeah i think some people might be a little tired of the amount of star wars they're getting
3: you might say too fast too (laughs)
2: furious full circle
0: yeah but let's let's talk about the movie itself though okay so we we get a young han solo Mm -hmm. it is what it is i don't think it's a movie a lot of people ask for but i you know i saw this movie once in theaters I was kind of, eh, whatever. I was looking at my watch the entire time. But I, I did manage to watch it uh, last night. Uh, I ended up locking myself in the garage. So I was stuck there for a while. <laughs> so I want to send a shout out to my sister for rescuing me. Um, but uh, yeah, when I got back to the movie, um, when I was watching it last night and this morning, I liked it a lot more than I did the first time. Yes, there are parts that I, I feel I feel like so much is shoehorned into this movie. Like We have to explain everything about this guy in one movie but overall my reaction is growing a little more positive over time I agree
3: um I rewatched this the other day and it's weird because I think about a few years ago I I feel like there was a ton of rumors like when we found out Disney was taking over Star Wars and they started rumoring all of these solo not necessarily a Han Solo film but just like these films about like certain characters like I feel like a lot of people were super stoked hey like we're gonna get a lot now that Disney's taking this over mm-hmm. a lot of people were like oh there's gonna be a Boba Fett movie and there's gonna do this and they're gonna do this and it's like oh okay and so like the Rogue One at first like I like I said earlier like I, I like Liked it a lot better the second time the first time i was like oh, okay it's okay but then i heard it like they're making a han solo movie i was really you know excited the first time i watched it i was really let down i watched it a second time like i said uh, the other day and i liked it a little bit better but they do shoehorn so much stuff, little nuances. Like uh, one of the masks that Lando Calrissian mm. uh, wears, and you, you see him wear it in uh, Return of the Jedi, yeah. right. and now he's wearing it. And it's just like yeah. little things where it's like they're just shoving it in. They say, "Oh, that's why he." Oh, well, that's why he does it. Oh, well, that's why he does it in this movie. And it's like, but it's overkill. It's overkill. I found myself shaking my head a lot watching it again. <laughs> okay, the biggest sin though
0: is that he got his name from an Imperial officer. Officer, yeah. He couldn't just have the last last name Solo. Solo. He could... And the way it happens is just so... Oh, you're by yourself, huh? <laughs> a solo. So what? If he made it through with Kira, they're going to call him like duo? Yeah. Like, Han, Dula. Han duo. Han uh, duo. duo.
2: Like, I watched this movie for like the first time, maybe about a week, two weeks ago. To me, it was fine, but I didn't, honestly, I didn't take this movie seriously. I wasn't like, oh, these are all the answers. This is everything about Han Solo. Like, we have a definitive holy grail of Solo. Like, I was just, like, you have to come by this movie casually to enjoy it, I think. Yeah, because like, I, I want a gritty,
3: like, Christopher Nolan type. You know, style like Han Solo, that's what I was expecting. But do you know not afraid that would get very, too like
2: actiony? Yeah. Or too, like, I he, because care, I don't care, man. I want to see something
3: gritty. I want to see something like him, like being this thief and like doing all this shit, like criminal underside type. shit. I, that's what I was like yeah. hoping yeah. for, and I got like this fluffy kind of bullshit. It was a very campy <laughs> feel to it. Yeah. And then and they shove Woody Harrelson in it, and it's like, yeah. I love Woody Harrelson, great actor, and he does a great job in the movie. But it's just like everything, and then just all of the fandom kind of bullshit. Like we're like. It just beats us over the head with everything. Like, yeah, we get it. This is where this comes
0: from. It's like, hey, Woody Harrelson gave him his gun. Hey, uh, he shot first at the end. Yeah. Hey, uh, we got to show in this completely shoehorned in end scene that he wins the Falcon from Lando. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, that added less.
0: I don't know. Just so much of this movie has to be explained. Like, so much of this character has to be explained in this movie. And we talked about this in the prequels. Like, you don't have to answer every question. Why couldn't Han Solo's gun just be a gun that he had? why did Woody Harrelson have to disassemble his rifle and hand it to him
2: you know what I'm saying I'm doing those tricks yeah why
0: couldn't his name just be Han Solo yeah what the fuck why, why does everything have to be explained I mean, and have a, and a backstory? Demystified? Yeah. I'm honestly surprised Greedo's not in this. I was <laughs> expecting him to yeah. be. I was expecting him to be. I don't know, but I do agree with you, Jason. I would have preferred the movie to be a little, a little more serious. I think with Han Solo, you can afford to be a little more comedic, and I think with the proper directors, it could have worked. Because from what I've read about uh, Miller and Lord, their approach was something grittier, but with the right amount of levity instead of it being like a fluffy kind of movie.
2: And see, what I heard about them was that they did a lot of like, encouraged the cast to improv, Mm -hmm. to keep rolling, to kind of like have fun with the scenes. I heard that that's actually the reason why they were let go was they, I guess the studio heads felt it was too fun, too slapsticky, not serious enough. Mm -hmm. But again, these are just, you know, internet rumors who the hell knows. Yeah,
3: there's just a lot of fluff and just a lot of stuff I just can't get. Like the little land speeder, he's like cruising in the beginning of it too. It's just like, that scene just looks like bullshit to me it looks like it's on wheels like it just like he's cruising around like yeah i'm driving around i just like there's a lot of like stuff in here that i just have a lot of issues with i get it because like movies do that but
2: this one generally got you like just, yeah like, i just
3: I, I was hoping like again when i heard about these so standalone movies i was expecting a lot and like when i heard a han solo movie and we're not talking a luke skywalker we're not talking about, like right. this like good person we're talking about someone that's like this gritty character like
2: that's who he's supposed to be that you like love the indiana jones movies too right
3: yeah like so indiana it's because like you
2: really like so it's because like you have like a real you're looking forward to it because you really have like a big harrison ford type you know what i mean like the indiana jones grew up that way yeah would you say?
3: but it's like this anti-hero kind of person right mm-hmm. and it's like i was expecting like an anti-hero kind of like mentality and like i wanted to see like how he got involved i want to see him do different like things where he's stealing shit like i want to see like some cool stuff and we yeah. didn't we
2: didn't see, see morphy was like woody harrelson's kind of character almost a little more look out for yourself. Almost more like mm, Woody Harrelson's yeah. character. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, because
0: you think the way he grew up and all that other stuff, if we're talking about character arcs, I feel like 4, 5, and 6 is his transitioning into the hero. Whereas in this movie, he's already that way. He feels very Luke in this movie. Yeah, he feels like a Luke-type character. Really? Like, he can't hide how good he is. Well, then he's not meant to survive in this industry according to Woody Harrelson. You know right. what I'm saying?
2: They went at the angle that Woody Harrelson turns him into this as opposed to this is who he was.
0: Well, it would have been cool
2: If, you know, and I'll just get this out of the
0: way Alden Ehrenreich was signed to a three year deal to play Han Solo. And I feel like this movie is the first out of a few which I would hope that they make sequels to and we'll talk about that later because it did feel like a part one of multiples to come. But I feel like this movie was only there to touch on how naive Han is and his first foray into this kind of world. And I feel like whatever second movie they might've been planning, if they were gonna do one, was really gonna put him to the test in this kind of underworld. And I think we've run into a situation here where uh, this movie made the mistake of explaining everything in one movie movie just in case they can't do other movies yeah, while yeah. also while also leaving out a lot of things because they're under the assumption that they will make another movie just tell a story han doesn't have to win the millennium falcon in this movie if we never see that again that's fine that could be left up to mystery or a comic or whatever however you want to play it as long as the movie is good but i feel like at the expense of the plot you're right jason they do kind of shoehorn a lot of stuff in and i like this movie much more the second time but sometimes it does take me out sometimes it does bother me but it doesn't bother me to the point where I want to shut it off I guess if that makes any yeah. sense yeah
3: no and like there's some cool scenes I like the pirate stuff like there's some cool like grittiness to it but mm-hmm. I just feel like you think about A New Hope when we first meet Han in like the cantina yeah. which is kind of like this divey, shady scary place to go to right. and like he's talking with Greedo and all this shit's going on he's like oh yeah like Greedo like I'm supposed to do this and like his whole thing with Jabba and like he's like this not a master my but he's like this like criminal kind of person and it's like I want to see that I was hoping to see that and it's like yes there's cool scenes and yes like Woody Harrelson and I think I forget the actor's name that played Hansel, but he's like he's great but it's like and it's an interesting story and visually it's great but it's just I left hoping that I was going to
0: get a lot more than I did. Yeah. Do, do you think um, this movie would be more effective if because look Woody Harrelson betrays him right um, mm-hmm. Beckett right mm-hmm. Tobias Beckett mm-hmm. yeah. uh, he betrays him uh, Kira leaves him you know she saves his life by not ratting him out, but she pretty much leaves him and stays in the life, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you have felt this movie would have been better if Han was more of a cynic by the end of it? Because by the end of it, he still seems like, hey, everything went well. You know, my girl left me for dead and, Mm -hmm. you know, my mentor
1: betrayed me. Everything's okay. But I helped out
2: this little rebellion. Yeah, I I helped out the rebellion. I
1: really did not like them, that whole arc with the Marauders, Pirates being... Part of this rebellion, I don't think it was kind of shoehorned near the we, end. We
2: didn't really need to tie him into being part of the seeds of the rebellion. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah. That
1: that makes everything smaller too,
0: because once again, we're clinging to fucking the original trilogy again. Like, can it just be that Crimson Dawn doesn't work for the Empire? Can it be that what's Enfys Nest has no ties to the rebellion? Can't they just be a rival gang and have a shootout and that's the end of it? And that's what I was kind of saying. Like, I like the idea. Of these
3: pirates, these marauders but yeah when they tied in at the end like it was interesting it caught me off guard but i think i liked them less i was like hoping that they were like this evil kind of group that trying is trying to poach off of them as opposed right. to like now being tied to the rebellion and it's like again we're going back we're just we can't let go of it yeah. i will
4: say like of all the star wars movies that i've watched in the franchise this movie like genuinely surprised me i felt like there were twists and turns that i wasn't expecting or weren't predictable um not only like uh emphasis ness being like like, part of the rebellion, but then also, like, the whole thing of, like, giving Dreden Voss like, fake Quaxium, but then it was actually the real Quaxium, and he knew that Beckett was going to betray him, and, like, that whole, like, sequence really caught me off guard. I remember watching it and being like, oh, shit, like... It's a double twist. Yeah, yeah, it's a double (laughs) twist, because, (laughs) again, like, I, I feel like a lot of the Star Wars films follow an equation, if you will, and this one I didn't feel, like, follow the same thing. I don't get me wrong. I do think that they like shoehorned a lot and like everything that we know about Han Solo Starts in this one film within this like three year period, like how he gets his name, how he meets Chewie, how he gets a Millennium Falcon, how he becomes like part of the smuggler's ring. Like it's like, it all happens like in this very short time span. But I will say like from a story perspective, I felt like it was the most unique of all of the Star Wars films.
1: Uh, all right. Let, let me get this out of the way because I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, did you think that the reveal of Darth Maul being in this film was necessary?
2: I liked it necessary no necessary no because
4: I don't know what it means but I
1: did
2: did like it especially with the uh, Clone Wars tie-in because they're the ones who sort of explored that he's still alive storyline okay but here's the problem with
0: that I didn't like it yeah if you didn't like it (laughs) no okay yeah If if you never watch Clone Wars and if you never watch Star Wars Rebels this Cameo or future role means nothing to you because I, I went. But you
2: don't. But you don't think that gets you in the sort of like catches your attention like oh shit he's still alive like you know what I mean. Like, no, I knew I knew that, he was but alive. But but <laughs> assuming you, but it's but like assuming you didn't watch the cartoons. But, assuming the the like the fan who just watches the movies. But I
0: I think I think you kind of walk away confused because I think that payoff is only made better. If, like you're invest, what's going yeah, on, yeah. if you're invested, I can see that. yeah, then it pays off, but if you're not, you're confused as hell. Like, where the hell has this dude been? He's but, cut in
1: half. But yeah. but is there a tie-in for him being part of a, like a criminal organization now, or is that just something they created for this movie? I, okay. I, I think they explore that in the comments. I'm confused by the timeline, I think. <sighs> okay,
0: so this does take place, like you said, TJ, uh, maybe a decade or whatever before A New Hope, right? So um, Darth Maul was put in this movie, not because they had a plan but because um and i forget where i read this interview but i did read this online
3: so they didn't have a plan they didn't have a plan <laughs> okay i got you there yeah right,
0: continuing the trend um, never tell you the odds got it yeah so uh i think what happened was they said oh we don't know who this character kira is talking to we don't know who this person should be that kira's talking to at the end so they said well who, who can we pick from to put in here? And there were a bunch of EU characters that they thought they could put in and they said, hey, why don't we put Darth Maul in there? So they said, hey, let's put in Darth Maul. You know, Ray Park, he's in Guatemala for a convention on a vacation with his family and he gets a phone call and, uh, it's like uh hey man um you want to be in the next star wars uh, solo movie he's like oh hell yeah i'm down and then that's pretty much how it went there's no story set out there's no plan no it was just hey why don't we put maul in this spot
2: now me personally after watching this i had to do some like my brain was tingling too much i had to do some online research right quick and just from little articles i read right after I know that he had this story a little more fleshed out in like the comics, uh, the Marvel comics that came later of him being like the Crimson Dawn sort of ringleader of him after his supposed death now going to crime as opposed to being back to the Sith Lord dark side. Do you know if that happened retroactively because of this movie? I haven't read the Darth
0: Maul comics. And I haven't read it, again, this was yeah. just some
2: articles I was reading online.
0: Usually what happens is after a movie comes out, I think the novelists and the folks at Marvel are kind of given the license to do what they want with whatever happens in the movies. Because right. obviously you don't want Expanded Universe stuff to spoil a film, so you can't have that. a lot of that stuff come out first. So like with the Catalyst novel for Rogue One that I talked about, I think that came out maybe a few weeks before the movie but it didn't really spoil anything in the movie. right? And, and I think uh, when you got material on the side, you wanna be very careful not to spoil anything. So I think a lot of that stuff might've come out after the
2: movie was made. Yeah. Right, because now that I'm saying that out loud, that would've been a huge spoiler, especially when it's supposed to be a big sort of <laughs> reveal. Yeah.
1: I'm just trying to think, where could you go? So say they go with this and they create a sequel and you introduce Maul, you have to have him in the sequel. So now yeah. you're gonna have Han Solo go toe to toe with a, a Sith Lord, I just- With Darth Maul. <laughs> It's too much (laughs) Yeah it's too much You're making everything
0: You're making everything smaller To your point You've got the rebellion That didn't really need To have any part in this movie And now you're bringing us back to You know I I appreciate You know that the prequels Are being brought into the fold I like when prequel shit shows up But I feel like you're You're kind of shrinking everything That being said Having seen the Clone Wars cartoon and Star Wars Rebels, considering Maul's character arc outside of the movies, this is an interesting and correct position for him to be in. But the fact that they don't have a fucking plan (laughs) makes it ridiculous. But the action sequences, uh, I liked. I liked the car chase, not because it's... I like how you Except call it a of, car ex- chase, too. I like how you call it a car chase Because exactly. that's what it is. Speeder chase. Yeah. I like the speeder chase. Dude, doesn't it look like he's just driving a Crunch Bar? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's look like, it looks like a,
3: a Fred Flintstone fucking mobile with an engine. Like, he's just driving around like... This is not like at least even in a New Hope they make it look better than they do in this movie. Like yeah. they make it look like shit. Like doesn't he look like? Don't you think his feet should be underneath paddling? <laughs> like the <Flintstones? laughs> he's Run, Fred it under that motherfucker, man. He's just like with his feet. That's all he's
0: doing. It, it reminded that first sequence reminded me of Ready Player One for some reason. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea why. It was either Blade Runner oh, or Ready Ready Player, one. Ready Player yeah. one. A lot of this yeah. felt
2: very Blade Runner esque. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. did.
0: Um. But I like the car chase because other than what we saw in... Look, I, I'm just saying... The speeder chase. The, sorry, the speeder chase. My bad. <laughs> so I like the car chase because we've you never... to him. Don't correct him. <laughs> we, I like the speeder chase because we've never really seen that in a Star Wars movie aside from Attack of the Clones, really, right? Yeah. But that was with Two yeah. Jedi. But we've never just seen a normal speeder chase. I like the fact that we see uh, a train robbery. I thought that was a really Jedi. cool dynamic scene. Cool. I like that we have... Uh, we never see like a, a heist. You know, we saw that in Rogue One, obviously, but Kessel, I like the fact that we have a heist or this is a heist movie, so to speak, but like Kessel was underwhelming. That whole sequence is kind of underwhelming. I think the the run was a much was much better. I hated the run the first time I saw the movie, but I felt like the, the actual Kessel run itself was much more interesting and more entertaining. And then, um, you know, the last fight, it's kind of whatever, I think, because so much of it is wrapped up in kind of the drama of the characters doesn't need to be over the top. I feel like the stakes are high enough to where if you have a big action set piece at the very end, it kind of does a disservice to everything that's been happening. You have Han and Kira, Han and Beckett, right, Dryden and Kira.
2: Han's not a like that. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I think having a smaller fight was better towards the end. But yeah. I do I do appreciate the action. It's much more dynamic than a lot of the stuff we've seen in previous Star Wars movies.
2: I do like seeing interactions with the Empire out of the rebellion necessarily. Like, you know, the little stormtrooper cop or whatever, or that, you know, in the train station when they're trying to fake their way through it, or even not necessarily how Hong got his name, but just this little interaction to kind of recruit in that whole opening. I don't know if I necessarily like the whole part where he would have, what was it, five, 10 years been a soldier of the empire?
1: Oh, That time you, jump between... Oh, the three years?
2: Three, right, the three years. Because it just flushes it out. It makes it feel more real to me seeing their interactions with the empire, again, outside of the rebels fighting with them 1v1 yeah
0: kind of like we talked about with Rogue One it's cool to see them right removed from this whole Skywalker force conflict right and, to see them
2: more as a you know totalitarian force yeah it's just
0: like hey I work for the Empire but I also check boarding passes yeah
2: because because <laughs> again getting away from the stuff we saw with the clones and now it's just people being recruited just like any military force. Yeah,
0: and then you kind of see what the ground troops are like and how they're bringing people into the imperial fold when I forgot what planet they're on. Oh, this is another thing that this movie doesn't do well. Tell you where the fuck you are. Yeah. You know? yeah. Aside from um, Saverine, Corellia, and uh, Kessel, I don't know where the fuck we are half the time. Yeah. Like, Snow Planet some planet I don't I don't know where the fuck we are half the time
3: mm-hmm. even that Kessel Run in 14 parsecs or whatever the hell he says it's 12, like, 12, oh, 12, 12 whatever the fuck it was it's just like that's shoehorned in there too
0: oh the Kessel thing it felt like because the Kessel Run is such a big part of you Han Solo you right? could made
2: that a huge yeah. part of the movie yeah. for, that by itself
0: yeah the Kessel Run should have been like the climax right oh yeah that would have been good but I think you know it is about the relationship so I think it makes more sense for them to kind of have that smaller inner Action towards the end so i'm not i'm not beefing with it too hard at first i did dislike the castle run but watching it a second time i enjoyed it a lot more i felt like the humor was more on point um i did like the visuals of him like slapping the tie fighter into oh, yeah, yeah. um you know having to escape from the ma like we said every star wars movie has an alien scene like yeah. a creature monster scene and that just happened to be this one so i did appreciate that we got to see something different with this movie um, I felt like the humor was really good again, though, like when Han Solo's just like, are they on us? And Woody Harrelson's is like, yeah, they're on us like uh, this, on that. And he's just like, what? "What?" They're on us like this, on that. He's just like, okay, but are they on us? I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what that means. I will say
4: like, I feel like a lot of Star Wars, not all, but a lot of Star Wars movies have this kind of humor in them. But this humor felt uniquely Han Solo. Mm. You know what I mean?
0: And it's weird too, because I feel like, that and another scene feels so much like a Lord and Miller thing. When Han Solo says, yeah, we got a crew of people. And then Lando takes off with the Falcon and goes away. Yeah. Like, that yeah. felt like something straight out of like 21 Jump Street. Yeah. So I, I, He just steps back rolls slowly. He's like, my bad, guys. Yeah. And look, I could be wrong. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But I think the points where I laughed are most likely the points that came from those two previous guys, because I think they have a really great handle on mm-hmm. comedic timing and stuff. So I'm going to attribute that to them. You know, If I'm wrong, then I'll, I'll give it to Ron Howard and the editors, so I'll give them that credit. But getting into the cast, we know there's a big-ass role. You know, Harrison Ford played Han Solo in four films previously. Alden Ehrenreich was cast in you know 2016. So here's some other people that were looked at or almost got the role. So we got Mouse Teller uh, from Whiplash and Fantastic Four. Uh, we got Ansel Elgort. Baby- I love Ansel. Yeah, Baby Driver. He almost got the role. Dave Franco, Dave Franco, wow. disaster artist, yeah. Um, Jack Raynor, the dude from Transformers Four. That was 4. James Franco. Yeah, Dave Franco. Dave Franco. Dave Franco. My bad. Dave. The did I say one. James? Oh no, my bad. No, you said. You said, should, the thing you said, you said disaster artist was. James. But disaster
4: artist was James Franco.
0: No, he was in it too. The yeah, Dave oh, he Fran- was. Yeah, yeah he was. His he was a uh, sister. Sistero. Sistero. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's Greg Sestero oh damn Yeah, Yeah. looks nothing like him but he's Greg (laughs) Sistero in that movie (laughs) Um, he looks like DJ that's what he looks like (laughs)
3: like
0: Dave Franco looks like DJ we love you DJ (laughs) Um, yeah so we had uh, so we had uh, Dave Franco disaster artist uh, Jack Rayner from uh, Transformers 4 and uh, Midsommar uh, Scott Eastwood uh, fast and the furious so he was almost in this uh logan lerman the guy from uh percy jackson oh, and yeah. uh, oh. noah <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he was in there and then we got a taron edgerton from a uh, kingsman and rocket man so those oh, are the yeah. guys oh, that have big man. names yeah huh? yeah those are pretty For, yeah, pretty yeah big names. like For, up-and-coming actors that are that yeah. are kind of young and kind of making their name in hollywood um but you know eventually he got the role alden Ehrenreich, uh amelia clark you know game of thrones she's uh the khaleesi right Uh, Other actors that were up for the role were Tessa Thompson, you know, Mm -hmm. Creed, Thor. Naomi Scott, Power Rangers, Aladdin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, uh, you know, from Crimes of Grindelwald, and she's Catwoman in Batman coming up. Wow. Uh, Kiersey Clemens, she's in Justice League, uh, but she's in some deleted scenes. And then uh, Jessica Henwick, who was actually in Force Awakens. So she's um, the female X-Wing pilot in that movie, and she's also um, in Iron Fist, and then uh, we got a, uh, Adria Arjona, who's in Pacific Rim Two and that upcoming Six Underground movie. I feel like unlike other Star Wars movies, aside from maybe Rogue One, they really went with people that were relatively well known. They didn't yeah. try to do
2: the unknown thing this time. What's interesting is I heard that uh, what was the actor's name again that got Solo? Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, I heard he was oh, the first one that uh, one of the first people they auditioned. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they ended up going back to him. How do you feel about him?
1: Um, I read. That he doesn't know how to act, or he had they had to do so many takes for his shots, and I, and I get it. Like he he tries really hard to emulate some of Han Solo's like mannerisms and like his. And I it's feel like it's really such a hard job, right? It's that's a lot a of pressure. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a
4: character who's already so well known, has a lot of mannerisms. It's very specifically Harrison Ford.
1: Yeah, but there's some things he he does, like he he calls somebody a kid, so like just like very very Han Solo esque my only thing that really bugged me and I noticed it a lot is he kept on calling everybody buddy. Hey, buddy. And I'm just like, did Han Solo do that? Because I don't really remember well, that. Well, maybe age. he did
4: maybe when he, he was <laughs> young. Maybe he stopped doing <laughs> it in a little decade that yeah, passed he, Yeah.
1: He, if you watch it again, you'll see him, he'll say he calls everybody buddy. Like, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah I I, it, I it, it really so. stuck out.
0: Okay, okay, maybe I'll <laughs> watch it tonight after I watch Last Jedi again.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, joking. joking. we will never good. watch it again. Um... No, I will. I'm not going to hate on it too much. So that's
1: my, my thoughts on Alden. And- I thought I thought he did a good enough
0: job. I think there was a lot of pressure on him. They did have to bring in an acting coach because with, you know, we'll get into the fucking behind the scenes on this movie because it's, it's, there's a lot of shit going on. Mm-hmm. But, um you know, production was behind schedule. They weren't happy with the dailies that we're getting, you know, from London back in the U.S. So they said, we need to get this guy an acting coach and an acting coach is normal from what i've you know kind of looked up and read but they were so far into the production when they gave him the acting coach usually you get an acting coach for a role much earlier Early, yeah. yeah but they were like three four months in when they decided to get him a coach which is really odd sometimes
2: yeah that's what i heard like there's a lot of reshoots a lot of re-edits which is normal but again so late in the process and it doesn't help too when the news is blowing
0: up about this movie right and they
2: didn't even reveal the title of the movie until very near its opening and it was very underwhelming the little ron howard had a little video where he kind of released it
0: yeah and all this uh all this (laughs) shit was happening Before you even saw the trailer, like at least least with Rogue One, you saw a trailer before all this shit started coming out. With this movie, they waited like what? We didn't see the first trailer till the Super Bowl. Like we're (laughs) in Vegas, and they just showed it during halftime. And I thought it was a cool trailer, you know? I I dug the music. It had like guitar riffs and shit. It felt different. But I mean, like they waited so long to market this movie, and I think that's another reason why it didn't do so well. Mm -hmm. Is they held the fuck on to this movie. Till the very last minute, and it didn't help that Infinity War came out a month before, like the yeah. month before. Yeah. That did not help at all.
2: And people sci-fi fatigued. That's true, because, yeah.
0: look, you save all your money to take your kids to see Infinity War, right? That's a lot of money, 20 bucks a, a person. And then... Um, you know, a month later, do you have another hundred twenty dollars to take your family to go see?
2: Are they going to be excited about that after the big Marvel <laughs> superheroes? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't help,
0: but yeah, they did bring him in a coach, and I, I thought he was fine. I, yeah, I thought he did a fine job. Yeah, I thought he was he was cool. I think. I don't.
2: Yeah,
4: I don't think the performances are what was off about the movie. It, mm-hmm.
2: I thought everyone did a really good job. I feel like Donald Clever was the standout performance. Yes, of Orlando. he did. I did yes. read that a lot too.
1: He all ca- the he captured his swag. Yeah, he was
2: younger, like. Yeah.
1: The one thing I like that he captured is that and you'll notice this in the, uh, the original trilogy as well he's the only one who calls him Han yes I, yeah. yeah everyone calls him Han and he, he kept on referencing like Quai Han Tan. and yeah. so and I like that's a nice touch yeah yeah and that's a nice touch to it
4: I don't know how I felt about the robot arc oh yeah uh, we talked oh, about the, the, the feminist free. robot oh, God, weird. <laughs> feminist robot but then also again again like in the same thing of like you know that pilot like rubbing BB-8's belly like this robot is dying and you know he's caressing her head and it just it just seems weird because it's It's a robot. Number one, it's a robot. (laughs) Like a love interest for Lando. Number two, like, we know just based on, like, the previous droids that we've seen, they're built for specific purposes. This droid was built for a specific purpose, but somehow she feels entitled to not have to, like, live out that... I don't know. It just seemed weird that she... Would have such strong feelings. We've never um, seen a
2: droid that like sort of about their independence before. Yeah,
4: that independent before. Right. Not that it's a bad thing. It was just again, it just Does seems weird. Feel like, to you, yeah. You're a droid. Yeah. <laughs> also, what do you
0: care? What a what a extra irrelevant plot thing to bring Hotline. in. Right.
2: Right. Yeah, because like then, then it ended up being tied into versus She ended up being the navigation system for the Millennium Falcon. Right. Which I don't know. Way. I don't. I don't remember if another thing that I'm, didn't I'm, need me, to be explained. Yeah. Like me too. I don't. I'm also trying to, as I'm watching this, rack my brain of like, was the navigation super relevant in the original trilogy?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, at one I point, C-3PO does say like, I'm trying to communicate with your shit, but uh, it seems to have a really like bad attitude or something like that when, okay. when they're trying to fix the hyperdrive or something. Yeah. Is that them trying to explain why the Millennium Falcon right. has a personality? Because I feel like that's another thing we didn't need to explain. Right. Like, I'm all for the whole robots free yourselves kind of being sure. an allegory for feminism or whatever, you know, if you want to look at it that way. But but I feel like what an interesting thing to explore in a Star Wars movie. Droids and their sentience. <laughs> Where are we gonna go with that? Oh, nowhere, we're gonna kill the <laughs> droid that might make it interesting. The one that was making waves. Yeah, so so it's just why why introduce that at all? And some of the humor with L3 kind of falls flat here and there. Like yeah. I, I see what you're trying to do, but I feel like you need to edit it better oh, or yeah. cut it better for it to be effective. It just, it didn't come off as funny. It had the potential to be, but it didn't come off as funny to me. Personally,
4: just something that I noticed as I was watching the movie is like L3 has like a definite, like, feminine build like Uh, almost (laughs) kind of hippie or
2: something Um, Uh, hey hey she she thick bro Uh,
0: but with two c's i also
4: read that why would a a droid whether male or female need like a chest like her her (laughs) chest is generally is bigger than like a (laughs) she's a pleasure unit yeah but i guess the actress was in a costume yeah it was she was in it she was in it so that might be yeah again like
2: again like those weird cgi rigs like we were talking about in rogue one Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i guess it was like
4: part like green screen like suit so that Mm -hmm. they could like edit out the parts of her that you could see but then there was like a build over her that she acted in and visually visually i like it visually i love that yeah Yeah,
2: it works really well for sure
4: and and i you know i know the comedy sometimes fell flat but it was like a little bit of uh tongue-in-cheek comedy Mm -hmm. that you see throughout the whole movie i thought yeah it kind of is like that sort of argumentative passive-aggressive kind
1: of humor again
2: maybe if the original directors had stayed on it would have flowed better.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. I like
2: everyone was saying, who have the better sense, no offense to Ron Howard, but have proven their sense of comedic timing.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of the stuff in this movie might have worked better with them kind of at least directing the humorous aspects of right. it, and their choice to deviate from the script might have come from the fact that they felt some of that shit just wasn't funny enough. Right. And they probably saw on paper that it wasn't a good joke, and they said, fuck maybe this humor is not good enough we got to inject some life into it and maybe that's why they're trying to get that stuff to work
2: well again because is a character to do it with because you don't have like the piety and the rigidity of, of like the jedi and like a whole that, sort of background that you have to I think represent you really, have just like this space punk if you will a little pirate type
4: yeah it's like a really good point in the fact that like han solo is supposed to be sort of that off the cuff kind of guy no better way to do that than right. to
0: act off the cuff.
2: If right. you're gonna improvise. have fun with it, yeah. this is the character to do it with. Yeah,
0: was. yeah. Uh, we talk about reshoots and all that shit, but Paul Bettany wasn't even supposed to be in this.
2: Yeah, movie. yeah. That was interesting.
0: Yeah, it was supposed to be Michael K. Williams. Uh, from The Wire, Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, to me,
2: Boardwalk Empire is what I know him best. Yeah,
0: uh, so he was cast as the main villain, and he was actually put in like a CG kind of rig as well, and he was supposed to play a more alien creature as Dryden Voss, but because of the extended reshoots, he had to drop out of the movie, so they had to redo the entire character with Paul Bettany, and because of the time constraints, they had to make him more of a humanoid-like character.
2: Yeah, I saw him like a little press release that he put that it was just it was just really just a timing issue yeah. like he had already moved on to the next project type thing
0: you know he's even said like he's kind of open to coming back which is right. which is a cool thing but I mean I would hope to see him because I think Paul Benny doesn't strike me as a threatening villain I think if you put I Michael thought, K. Williams in there yeah
2: no Michael K. Oh. Williams 100% like oh. as, again to me like his work as Chalky White on Boardwalk Empire was just so so good so like a villain but uh, anti-hero type uh, playing both sides like he has that range
0: you really needed somebody that was imposing in presence and in voice to be that, that final guy and I feel like well we're just gonna kill vision again. You, know, <laughs> you, you notice that his skin turns his skin turns white when he dies I again just, the,
2: just like Antony is the final yeah I thought he did a fine job yeah though. I think
0: he did good he's okay
3: I, I'm not a big fan of his personally I, I watched him in Legion have you ever seen Legion yeah. I have I know what it is I haven't
2: watched it yet yeah you want to like run on FX run, right the yeah. TV show no no, 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 no the no. movie it's a movie Maybe oh movie with, with yes, the angels yes, and the yes. demons no, that, yeah. yes that That's one with,
0: uh, is that with Tilda Swinton or is that am I thinking of constant no, Constantine oh, okay. Wait, no you're thinking of Constantine but
2: is that his fault or is that the material well Dennis Quaid's
3: in it too do you
2: like Dennis Quaid in it
3: no I don't like the movie at all I've walked out of one movie in my life and that was it well, I thought
0: you walked out of Suicide Squad no oh you like it
3: no I, I wanted to walk out no I you're I, in here first you I wanted to walk squad. out of it no 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 I'm gonna <laughs> correct you guys I wanted to walk out but like Mel and I kept leading to each other hey yeah it's really bad but that one we didn't walk out of but I did walk out of Legion and that's with him and I was like
1: Paul, Paul Bettany also did a. He was also in the Da Vinci Code. And I he think, was. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think he did. He, and that's by um, Ron Howard. Yeah. So yeah. I think he could play a villain. I just feel like it, this was just a paper thin villain as is. It just you, you didn't feel threatened by his role in the movie, especially supposed to be presented as somebody that's high in power. Mm-hmm. And I, you just didn't get that. The scars
3: on his face, it didn't intimidate you, no. Chris?
1: <laughs> wait, wait oh, those it? were scars? I thought they were just, like, stripes. I don't know what the hell they <laughs> no, like. were. you have so, that in the beginning?
0: Yeah, so he he's not a human. He's an alien in this movie. Those scars, they open up as he gets angry, if you notice. Like, when he gets angry, like, his face splits apart. They were apart. all
4: done post-production. Yeah, post, post-production. Oh, okay. That's so weird, though. I didn't notice them in the beginning. Yeah.
3: There's another word for that. Not weird, but it's dumb. Jesus. I did not like it. Yeah. Christ is there any,
0: okay is there anything you did like about this movie
4: no no, I, I there's no part, no there wasn't
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, there's parts I do like I said I like the the marauder the the pirate part there's there's parts of this but that I just He's not intimidating to me. He's okay. just not an intimidating, like... I get that. Antagonist. I
2: don't I, know. See, like, to me, it didn't bother me, but to me, I watched this movie very casually. I watched this movie very, like, throwaway almost. Like, all right, let's go for a two-hour ride. Like, okay, that was a fun way to spend a couple hours. So did
3: I. But then, like, I watched it again for this, right. and I'm watching this for real, and I'm just like, I cannot get on board. No, I get that. Yeah. And then you watch, like, the command he has over
0: Amelia Clark's character, and mm. you're just like, really? You're just not buying it? <laughs>
3: not, no, not at all.
0: okay oh, no, she she has more of a powerful presence than he does do you really expect this woman to fucking take orders from this guy it doesn't feel that way which again she
2: did kind of break at the end when she was like she was just waiting for her opportunity to go above him in the yeah, take him the, down and take order. his spot. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The best thing I genuinely loved about this movie would have to be like the wardrobe, the styling. Like I thought it did it very well. Oh, production value was very yeah, nice. Like, I love the way the Marauders looked. looked. I love like the big fur coats and stuff like that. It had sort of that seventies ass kind of vibe to it. With well, the first time we go in uh, Paul Benny's spaceship, the sort of like um swanky bar kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. I I thought it looked great. I didn't like the music though. No.
0: Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> did you like
3: the girl singing with that big thing on her face too and like does every movie... <laughs> like okay. And then they had the guy in the, the, the little... Like, the jar? Oh, the yeah, jar? the little jar. <laughs> it like, like the guy... Slimer. Was like band. He's Slimer. <laughs> slimer, like... Crank 2, they had the guy like the guy's head in that big jar. That's what it reminds me of. And it's like <laughs> it's
0: like this is like head wait, like singing am like what the fuck wait, are uh, you looking at? We're looking at live action Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> it's a live wow. action Futurama, <laughs> yes, that's see. what it is. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't care for this. Okay, I say I ha- I hate the song because like last night while I was doing research, I listened to the Han Solo score. Um, which I gotta give props on. Um, John Williams did it with uh, another guy, and I'm so sorry, other guy, if I forget your name, but uh, he teamed up with another composer. And I'm listening to the score, because I only saw Solo once. I don't even know what the music sounds like, so I just decided to press Mm -hmm. play. And this, this might be my favorite score out of all the four movies that have come out. Um, Aside from like Ray's theme and a couple pieces in Force Awakens, I feel like Solo has a nice blend of the old and the new. It feels fresh, but it does feature like callbacks to a lot of the old shit especially like the asteroid field and all that but i i gotta give the composer really high props on the score for this it's not amazing or anything
2: just shout out to Google. It is John Williams and John Powell. John Powell is his
0: name. OK, perfect. Yeah. So I got to give I got to give props to John Powell. I really dug the score for this. My trash with that would be I feel like a lot of the score is hidden in this movie. You would never hear it because dialogue and sound effects are covering it up, which is kind of unfortunate.
1: I don't remember any of the music. I don't think it was memorable. And I'm trying to remember key points where it's like, oh, the, the score really stood out and I can't really think of it.
0: Yeah, the score didn't stand out until I played it on its own. Pretty sad on the movie's part. Yeah.
1: I don't know if you brought
3: this up already, but the way we get introduced to Chewbacca too. He eats people <laughs> the beast. Okay, yeah.
4: That I I found the most disturbing thing <laughs> ever manager. is like, oh, this this beast is gonna eat you and then it's Chewbacca. And I'm like, <laughs> so wait, Chewbacca has eaten people before? Wait, yeah. Are this you is, hungry, Is this is something that we're like we're okay with? Like the fact that he's just eating humans? Dude, <laughs> we eat chicken, so mm-hmm. same thing. Okay, and then don't you don't you think that like in the next like 15, 20 years that Chewbacca's been with Han, like he's not ever been hungry and been like, um, Han is looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. I should. He's like Chewie,
0: what are you what are you looking at? Like, nothing. Why why are you looking? He's like, like that? getting
4: salt and pepper out. Like I don't I don't know. It just seems like to he should not eat people.
0: <laughs> it's like Chewie, I told you to buy me lotion. Why'd you get me Barbershop. Thousand Island <laughs> dressing? <laughs> <laughs> what why is that was?
2: rotisserie going? There's nothing <laughs> yeah, on it right yeah. now. <laughs> to be fair, we did see Chewie eating the pork.
1: Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he felt guilty, too. He did. Yeah, he did. but only because they were looking at him crying.
0: <laughs> the porgs. We're not going to go back in time, but the porgs. Um, and then they took a naked-ass shower together, which was yeah. pretty yeah. hilarious. Another, uh, another was, thing you was mentioned funny.
2: off mic was the arm ripping, which Han did mention in other movies, uh, ripping off the arms of... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: Again, just chewing is a badass, but he scares me he is a monster and he's then we the enforcer gotta, man he's
0: Jason the to your point we gotta show the fucking chess match again for the thousand time. <laughs> shoving it in there they just, that chess match we they just s- shove it in like so much stuff we saw it in Force Awakens we literally saw it in Force Awakens two years ago and we gotta show it again in <laughs> yeah. this movie like why why I,
3: thi- I think out of the four personally I don't know if Force Awakens very directly mirrors like A New Hope I get that but this movie shoves in a lot of small nuances we've already seen in some of the Disney movies, but then even more so, this movie, more than any of the four, was overkill with all of it. I don't know how you guys feel, but this one, I, like I said, I just rewatched all of them over this, probably this past week. Mm-hmm. And I watched them in order. I watched so those last one. I was like, well, I, I get why they're putting this, and oh, okay, I see that, and oh, he said this, and it's just like they're just trying to like your like to your point, Kerwin. Throughout this whole podcast, it's just like they cannot get away from the original. They can't material. take their own advice, right? They, they can't, can't take
0: their they own. They can do av- it. There's a point in the movie uh, where they get to Savarine, right? And uh, Lando's looking at his ship, and Lando's like, "I hate you," and Han's like, "I know."
4: I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like that. I, like yeah. that one. I mean, I
0: didn't, I didn't mind it, but when you look at like the entirety of what's shoehorned in here it's kind of
2: like they're just kissing in so many little again like you said earlier off like the chewy thing like we got to give you a nickname yeah oh that's why he's called chewy Chewy. you got to just call him
1: chewy i (laughs) mean i think they intentionally wanted to turn this to a drinking game, where (laughs) you'd take a drink every time you reference i know we fucked up (laughs) you fucked fucked up for that 30 minutes in Another
2: little controversy about this movie, um, the posters, when they finally got released for the movie, everyone thought they looked great and they do look really good. Um, two things, one in the overseas releases of the posters in our U S ones, they're holding like the weapons and stuff like that. Like, you know, Han posing with his blaster, etc. they're removed, I guess for other editing rules. So like in the land overseas one, you'll just see Han kind of standing there with his hand by his side, which is a little weird. But the other big one is, um, I guess there was like a European ban that released like a box set, like a funk band or something like that. And the art is literally a blatant rip off of that. Like even the color palette is the same. The font is the same of like this beige outline and then like the different color schemes for the different characters. Same release for that box set of the album, different color schemes for the different pieces of it. It's like it's it's literally they ripped that off.
0: Yeah, like somebody pretty much like ripped off the art style of their oh. their cover art or whatever at oh, one shit. point. And then uh, I think they they filed uh, they filed either a lawsuit or something against Disney. And then uh, Disney kind of came out and made the statement that um, you know we commissioned people for these agencies. You know we weren't aware that they were ripping stuff off, but they kind of immediately not necessarily cut ties with the agency. Or like disassociated themselves yeah, with them. They. Disassociated themselves with the agency and then they immediately took a lot of that stuff down and started reproducing brand new posters. Oh. Yeah. Don't uh, don't rip off graphic designers. <laughs> yeah.
2: But a lot of behind the scenes controversy with this movie, even more than Rogue One, which had its fair share. Oh, yeah.
0: Real quick, uh, TJ, you kind of mentioned that George Lucas was working on this before he even sold, yeah. uh, sold the company to Disney. Um, so we talk about in Rogue One uh, how that was a pitch for Star Wars Underworld, that series that never came out. This was also a pitch. So mm-hmm. this started out as a pitch and then George Lucas kind of took it and ran with it and started developing it into a movie back before he sold uh, the company. But let's talk about uh, directors, because we're gonna, we're gonna talk about directors in this movie. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they did a Lego movie, 2122 Jump Street. On June 20th, 2017, Lucasfilm announced that Lord and Miller would be leaving production a Solo, uh, citing creative differences, which is a fancy word for some other shit that's going on, right? You're we fired. see that all the time. Yeah. Um, behind the scenes on the film, the two were said to be figuring it out as they went along. Uh, working behind schedule, stretching out the work days, improvising a bunch of scenes like you guys were saying to the point where they were deviating from the script Uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan they also weren't happy with the footage that they were seeing uh, from the dailies one crew member even says that he got a shit ton of overtime while Lord and Miller were working so he got paid
2: yeah that's what I was one thing I heard why the budget went so big on this film was a lot of like the overtime for the cast and crew oh yeah for sure was a huge thing that inflated this budget
0: and then according to THR uh, the directors felt they weren't given any creative freedom uh, from their perspective so the directors felt like they weren't being given any creative freedom and that uh, they were never given enough days to shoot for each scene from the beginning. So that's how they felt. They felt like they weren't afforded the time to even film this movie Mm -hmm. from a realistic perspective. Uh, And then a person close to the production said that their ideas for the movie were constantly being rejected. So they had ideas. They would go to Lucasfilm and say, hey, we want to try this. We want to try that. And they would just get no's every single time. But, you know, this is two sides telling their own stories, of course. You know, one of the guys said uh, in their minds, Phil and Chris were hired to make a movie that was unexpected and would take a risk, not something that would just service the fans. They wanted it to be fresh, new, emotional, surprising and unique. These guys looked at Han as a maverick, so they wanted to make a movie about a maverick. But at every turn, when they went and tried to take a risk, it was met with a no. So they're. Again,
2: like you were saying, not taking their own advice.
0: I 100% believe that these guys could have been behind schedule because of their style. I think from a logistical perspective yeah improvisation probably isn't the best thing you want to be doing on a multi-million dollar movie with a thousand moving parts in every shot right yeah and when you got special effects houses waiting for you so they can have time to work on the shit but at the same time if Lucasfilm is all about pushing the envelope and going forward why aren't you guys giving this pair the creative freedom that's been proven like these aren't rookie directors they've worked on shit before and they've done well
2: it just sounds like there was no compromise yeah like on the one hand they want to do something fresh and Han Solo was the character to do it with, but maybe Disney was overprotective of the character?
0: I think that's directly tied to Lawrence Kasdan, you know, because he wrote the original trilogy, right, and came in to write this Han Solo movie. So uh, Catherine Kennedy and, you know, Lucasfilm, they try to insert Kasdan into the production process by having him kind of shadow the two directors while they're on set, making sure that they stick to the script the same way that Tony Gilroy was brought in to kind of finish Gareth Edwards' movie, right, for Rogue One. So he went to London to overlook the production. He wasn't happy at all that they were improvising. He like demanded that every line in the script be read as is. He wanted them to stick to the script um, and he didn't like that they were improvising at all but another person on set said that, you know, they weren't just trying to improvise for the sake of comedy. They were allowing the, the actors to find their character and figure out what was the best take for them to have, which is great, but like we just said, with a thousand moving parts, maybe not the best idea on every shot. The same person said that, you know, in a smaller movie, this would work, but they were so indecisive because of their need to improvise that they weren't able to make decisions half the time. So they were trying out millions of different camera shots to the point that they weren't even shooting; they spent half the day moving the camera around. They couldn't even
2: like start shooting their scenes. Do you think maybe this was them being overwhelmed too on this budget size of a movie?
0: I think I think it's both. I think they were prob they were overwhelmed. They weren't intimidation factor. Yeah, they were overwhelmed. They weren't given the freedom they thought they'd be given. Maybe they there was some talks about what their roles might be in producing this movie and that never happened and that might have caused some frustration. Right. And I feel like these types of guys are like, fuck that, we're gonna we're gonna do what we're good at. And I think they were so involved in doing what they were good at that Lucasfilm kinda just wanted them to finish. And they were like, No, we're gonna do this right. Right. And I think at some point you just gotta be like, fuck it, let's finish it. To their credit, I don't think that they are those kinds of directors that are just brought in to do somebody else's shit.
2: Right, again, like compromise on either sides. I think they have their own vision,
0: and unfortunately, that attitude didn't help them during this production. So they weren't very happy with uh, Lawrence Kasdan kind of shadowing them, and they got fired. So this production had been going on for four months, over schedule. They only had a couple weeks left, and they lost the directors entirely. And uh, apparently, there was even a trailer for Solo featuring uh, footage that Lord and Miller had cut together. And uh, Lucasfilm was so unhappy even with the trailer that they didn't bother to show it, which is why we never saw a lot of shit for this movie prior to like Would the Super Bowl. Would love to see that trailer. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I, I'd like to see it too. And Kathleen Kennedy spoke directly on, you know, the firing of the directors. And she said that, you know, one of the things I've come to realize since I've been in this position of keeping Star Wars going is that in addition to looking for somebody who can creatively have an impact, you're really looking for leadership skills. No one steps into these big movies without being able to generally lead the charge with hundreds of people and handle the relationship with the studio. It's a very difficult thing to do. And you don't know a person can do that until you get to spend time and watch somebody operate. So I think where she's coming from is, hey, you guys are great, you guys are talented, I need you to be managers too. Like you can't just be the fun guys, you gotta manage. That's an understandable thing, I can, I can definitely see it. Um, Ron Howard got hired two days after they were fired. Um, he actually went to dinner with Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan and his son Jonathan Kasdan who was a co-writer and producer on this movie Um, he thought he was just going to dinner and then they kind of dropped it on him like hey we (laughs) want you to direct this movie can you please direct it and Ron Howard was just like I don't know if I should because he had a good relationship with the guys Lord and Miller he'd even been to the set once actually visited and kind of met with them and hung out with them and he kind of felt bad about possibly taking this movie away from them so once again uh, his wife stepped in and said "Uh, no you should do this because you're (laughs) going to regret it didn't he give
4: up um, he was supposed to direct maybe Phantom Menace or something he was supposed to direct another Star Wars film but declined
0: Uh, Phantom Menace I believe
4: yeah so I think he kind of felt like this might be his redemption or something yeah so
2: I wonder if at that time it would have been too much worry of Lucas being over his shoulder type thing oh yeah that very
0: well could be Yeah. yeah ron howard got brought in and uh apparently you know this is what they're saying he had to shoot about 70 to 85 percent of the movie and the budget would end up being close to 300 million up from whatever it was prior which is more expensive than any other star wars film that was made to that point and solo would go on to become you know being one of the most expensive films ever made of Isn't all that time crazy
4: like not the force awakens yeah. not the last jedi like this movie even like the original trilogy Granted, the technology is not up to standard these days but at the time was state-of-the-art and probably very expensive to make it seems crazy that like this film is the <laughs> what, most expensive what, what grounded me was like
2: it was it's not like the you know hollywood it's not the big budget it's the damn overtime it's like practical stuff yeah. you know what yeah. i mean yeah it's crazy
0: I find something that's pretty ironic but um Lawrence Kasdan who was like so adamant about them sticking to the script um he went on to say about Ron Howard um they were always open about changes they didn't mind working on changes to the script or the story
4: but me, you know what though I I would I will say that like making changes to the story is way different than improvisation yeah which sometimes can feel like there is no direction yes you know what i mean you have to be very careful with that kind of direction because it can very easily go off the rails yeah and that's different than creating scripted changes yes you know yeah do you
2: feel like maybe howard thought like they just want me to finish this they just want me to put a bow on this thing well no he
0: did come in and like rework the writing with them Mm -hmm. like he did come in and change some things and uh the funny thing is um Ron Howard even sent edits of the film to Lord and Miller so they could leave notes so they still had input after the fact. Right. So I thought that was pretty cool of him to kind of still include them. Um, Going back to Lawrence Kasdan, um, he did say of Han Solo, you know, like we're open to changes, but we want to preserve the tone, specifically the tone, because quote, uh, it's not like any other Star Wars movie. Uh, This tone is reckless and unpredictable and feckless as Han is. You know, they're saying it's not like any other Star Wars movie, but Uh, i mean we're kind of talking about a lot of the things that make it like one but it it does feel different i will give them that credit i guess you get that
3: born kind of feel i guess maybe and some like you get some different kind of action stuff i guess it's it's different you get a fist fight you never see that you know aside from rogue one maybe the train scene like Mm -hmm. there's some interesting stuff
0: that we don't really see a lot or at all yeah so I, i give them credit um and then uh, oh, boy. Uh, so, you know, back <laughs> to that... Ro- <laughs> yeah, oh, boy, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh Back to that 2019 Rolling Stone interview, uh, Kathleen Kennedy speaks specifically about uh, the director issues they've been having with Star Wars. So she says, uh, I would argue that the list is very small uh, of people who really have the sensibilities about these kind of movies and the experience to handle how much of an enormous job these movies are. So they try to be as thoughtful as possible with who they pick because a lot of people, they get involved and they get overwhelmed and they realize like, oh my God, I I can't do this and they have to leave the project. So you don't really know who you're dealing with until they start and you also don't know what, what kind of story you're dealing with because some things look better on the page and some things you oh, don't yeah. figure out till you film it. Oh, yeah. So there's so many variables that go in and you also have to deal with the uh, the pressure from Hollywood, the fans, the media. Yeah. So much for Fuck these directors, Hollywood hey, man, the fans, man. The oh, yeah. fans are going to be critical. Everybody man.
2: everybody is a Star Wars expert. Yeah. It's not like this movie that was written like, you know, randomly. That's mm-hmm. anybody on the set probably is a Star Wars expert. Yeah. You know, the camera guy knows. Yeah. Grew uh, up with Star Wars like everybody you know.
0: But we're Star Wars expert. Yeah.
2: I mean, no, that's not on this level, obviously. Yeah, we're we're clearly above. Obviously. The obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for another director. Yeah, you know,
0: just call us. We could all do it. Kathleen Kennedy, please call us. For half the price. We want to make a movie. For um, half
4: the price. For half the
0: price. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'll take two and a half minutes. But, <laughs> um, for minimum wage. but uh
5: yeah. <laughs> yeah. as long
0: as we get that O T. Yeah, exactly. And then travel expenses. Yes. So regarding the, the movie taking extra time, it, I believe it took an extra four months of filming on top of what they had already done. So people had to drop out. Some people were you know, lucky enough to have clear schedules to stay. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy even fought to have the release date push to December 2018 to kind of coincide with the December releases that had happened previously and with the upcoming uh, episode 9 movie. But uh, it was either Alan Horn or Bob Iger that pretty much gave her a no and said, like, this movie needs to come out in May. It has to come out in May. You know,
2: it's funny. I felt like Kathleen Turner gets a lot of crap, but, like, the more facts I'm hearing about her, the more she seems like the real... Like the real one. The real she's old, a reasonable down, person. Yeah. I think so too. I think... Especially with that track record you told me about. like She just seems like an amazing person. Like some, For someone to accomplish that much random things...
0: Okay, I'm going to just inject this in here because it is pretty ironic. But look, these movies get a lot of shit. There's a lot of people saying that Kathleen Kennedy doesn't know what she's doing, this and that. Whether it has to do with the bullshit you know, fucked up reasons we talked about earlier or if it's legitimate criticism or they just don't like Disney, whatever. But the irony of it is is that these people talk so much shit about this producer and she's produced like 90% of the shit that you love. Yeah. Which is crazy. She's had direct involvement in half the shit you like over half the things you like. So it's just funny to me that I, I see a lot of people saying she doesn't know what she's doing she's in over her head she's never done this before when in fact she's probably been the most prominent female most prominent person one of the most right. prominent people over the last three four decades like her
2: like her resume would be my dream resume like yeah. <laughs> like just things i love
0: yeah before she was 30 she was producing what temple of doom you know what yeah. i'm saying she was working on that movie so Look, whatever, whatever we want to say about Star Wars, we're not going to disregard like her legacy and her accomplishment. She's put in work, you know, yeah. and she deserves all the credit.
2: Like, like as soon as you're listing that off, I'm wondering if, like, is she just, like, in the right place? Is she, like, really lucky or does she have this sort of talent to find these, like, gold mines of projects?
0: Yeah, so, you know, hopefully moving forward, like we said, once we get away from this Skywalker stuff and the episodes, hopefully... Hopefully, with Bob Iger and Alan Horn kind of realizing that they've done too much too fast, they'll take a little bit of pressure off of her and let her kind of do her own thing. Because we always freak, like we say in solo, everybody works for somebody, so you can't you can't blame her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For a lot of the shit that's going down, when you know she got the job and she didn't know she was going to be working for Disney. 2 months later, you know what I'm saying? George hired her right. and then said, "Oh, by the way, you work for Disney now." Yeah,
2: Cuz on the fan bashing narrative, it's like Disney appointed her. Like Disney appointed this random chick who has no who has no business producing. Like that's the like toxic narrative.
0: Mm-hmm. But that's not the truth right, at all. Right.
2: When not only does she have an amazing track record, she was hired before the Disney acquisition. Yeah.
0: Um, so this movie came out. It was a box office disappointment, relatively speaking. I mean, it
2: still did well.
4: Yeah. Just it, not as well. I mean, it, it still like, made money. It like yeah. barely
0: recouped? Yeah. Like it we'll, barely made we'll it compared back. to the yeah. other films. And yeah, barely
4: made its money back? Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. It, I mean, it barely made its money back, but look at it this way. Like, when you're making a billion dollars a film five times a year, like, I would hardly call this, like, a loss for you. Now, if you're, like, Universal or Fox or Paramount and you don't crank out a billion dollar movie every year, yeah that's pretty bad, right. so with the disappointment of this movie uh Disney effectively put all spinoff movies on hold so uh the Obi Wan movie that was being developed uh, got canceled and eventually became a Disney Plus show, so that's coming out soon. And then uh, that Boba Fett movie that was going to be written and directed by James Mangold, who did uh, Logan and Ford vs Ferrari, oh, would have been good. Would have been great. Um, that got put on hiatus because uh, the Mandalorian was being developed and like they felt the projects were a little too similar. Yeah. Um, but Ron Howard, you know, when he was on the Happy Sad Confused podcast, he said that the movie might have been a little too nostalgic. You know, to our points earlier. And he said that people weren't looking for an origin story. You know, he cited that, you know, with the fan backlash, he said that want to see score prior to release was so low that people just felt like it wasn't worth going to. So he, you know, he kind of addressed a lot of the uh, the backlash to The Last Jedi as well. He said after The Last Jedi, people probably weren't in the mood for another Star Wars so soon. But uh, over time, there has been a positive response to Solo, with a lot of fans even petitioning for a Solo sequel or a Disney Plus series. Uh, Ron Howard even commented on this on Twitter, pointing out that the audience score has kind of grown over time, over the last year. The way this movie is set up, I would love to see two more movies because I I feel like now that we've gotten all the fan service out of the way we can tell an actual story but I mean I don't think that's ever going to happen but hopefully it would in some capacity
4: I feel like what it tells us is that like no matter what you do it's not going to be good enough the fact that like everyone hated this movie when it came out no one saw it in theaters and now people are like Actually, it's pretty good. It's not so bad. Like it, it's like kind of bullshit. Like, well, no.
2: Historically, people are doing that. Like have a are doing that with all the Star Wars movies. Like with, with us with the prequels. Like yeah, maybe it wasn't. That's a what I mean. Like, yeah. like
4: this fan base and and I would say it's a it's a large fan base that spans generations. Is so particular over this storyline, right. over these characters, that it seems like no matter what you do, like I said, I keep going back. Unless it, unless George Lucas is doing it, it's not going to be good enough because it, because it'll never be well, cause what they
2: right. think George right. Lucas could do, or because it's not their start, like. Everyone's an expert. It's not their Star Wars movie. It's not right. canon of their mind of their unanswered questions. Right. Plus, I mean, even if George did it, they'd shit on him anyways, just oh, like yeah. with the prequels. Like yeah. they—that the hard... is
4: true. The
0: prequels didn't get that much love either. Yeah, because part of the excitement of Episode Seven was that George wasn't working on it. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, now that's a really good point. Now the same motherfuckers are calling him back. So I think
2: the big thing about whenever Lucas gets behind the director's chair is that like you know what's canon. Like this is the creator. So if he says something like it or hate like Mediclorians, we all hate Mediclorians, but we accept it. Yeah, yeah. you know. Lucas said it, we accepted it. Yeah, it's canon, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, the best thing Lucas did in Star Wars is creating the universe, not so much the characters. We love the characters, but he created such a big playground potentially, Mm -hmm. which will be really interesting to see where they go after this next film, uh, Rise of Skywalker. So to see when they finally have to break through the mold, see what they do.
0: So we're done talking about the first four movies in the Disney era, Star Wars films. So now what we're going to do is rank them. TJ, uh, what is your ranking of the uh, four Disney Star Wars films from worst to first?
4: All right, from worst to first, I think uh, Last Jedi is in last place for reasons that we've talked about in depth. Solo is third, uh, The Force Awakens is second, and Rogue One is my favorite of the Disney era so far. All right,
0: Uh, Jason, worst to first, how do you rank them?
3: All right, so mine's similar, but a little different. I'm gonna go solo as my worst. And then again, like I said, I rewatched Last Jedi. I'm going to put it in third. And then uh, second, I'll put Force Awakens. And then first, I'll put Rogue One as well.
2: Justin, uh, worst of first, what you got? Again, similar but different. Uh, the Last Jedi will be my worst. Uh, I did enjoy it, but Solo will be uh, third. Next will be Rogue One, and first will be The Force Awakens. All right. Uh, Bling, where's the first? What you got?
1: Uh, mine's exactly like TJ, so it's going to be The Last Jedi, Solo, Force Awakens, and then Rogue One.
0: Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Last Jedi last. Um, uh, then I'm going to go Solo. I'm going to have Rogue One as my second favorite, and Force Awakens as my number one out of the Disney movies. Really?
3: Because I feel like you and Muga both gave... Force Awakens, a lot of shit being so derivative of A New Hope?
0: I think it also has to do with the fact that I haven't seen Rogue One in like two years because I really okay. wanted to watch it again for this retrospective but you know had I given it another chance to watch it again if I had time to watch it I think it might have gone up but I, I do remember walking out of the theater like okay you know I've seen this twice I don't think I need to watch it again and I haven't touched it since whereas Force Awakens I can go back and watch that for whatever reason and and I just, I just had a better time watching Force Awakens I enjoyed Rogue One I like the style of it I like that it's kind of a one-off, but... I have a better experience with The Force Awakens despite its flaws because I still got problems with Rogue One here and there a little bit but. yeah not to
3: get too lengthy with this but I just like two weeks ago if you would have asked me I would have had a similar ranking that you guys had I would have had well, to you Kerwin like having Force Awakens as number one mm-hmm. just because I thoroughly enjoyed it I enjoyed the trailer I enjoyed the movie um, that's the only one I bought on Blu-ray was Force Awakens and I, I've watched it numerous times I like it a lot but going back and watching Rogue One there's so much action it has done so well. And I like that it's way different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting
4: to me, too, is just in listening to everyone's rankings, like Rogue One is pretty high up there. And it, I think it kind of shows that people, and by people, I mean the five of us, uh, like we don't mind these branch offs if they're well done. Mm-hmm. Like Defin- Solo. 100% agree. Definitely. Solo, I think, could have been great. It just wasn't. Yeah. But the fact that Rogue One was so good and was not part of the episode story arc shows that, like, we might have an appetite for additional storylines within the Star Wars realm if they're done correctly.
0: Yeah, yeah. and and I think uh, you know with the cancellation of the anthology films, I think that's the. Biggest reactionary mistake that they've made. Yeah. Because after the Skywalker stuff is over, what else do you have?
4: Even Mandalorian is doing really well from what I see on like social media and stuff. I haven't watched any of the episodes, but people are like eating it up, uh, eating up Baby Yoda more than anything. That's a terrible picture. People (laughs) just eating Baby Yoda. (laughs) But I mean like, that Again, that's sort of a, a branch off from a, an original storyline from uh, Star Wars. I think there's potential for more development of this world once we're done with this Skywalker arc.
0: Yeah, um, and then I do have Mugga's uh, top four here, uh, his uh, ranking. Do I got care? Mugga. <laughs> Yeah, we we have to care. Okay. He was here earlier. Do it in his voice. Edit that out, please. No. Impersonations. Let's go. All right. So uh I got Mugga's ranking right here. Uh worst to first. He has Last Jedi. Uh then he has Solo in third. He's got the Force Awakens as number two and he's got Rogue One as his, his favorite. Uh but what Mugga also gave me was uh his Tom Cruise pick. Oh no Uh-oh. So uh, his Tom Cruise pick Is uh, Tobias Beckett From Solo Woody Harrelson's character That's, That's a good one That's Honestly a good one. I,
4: I agree with him on this I, He was gonna be my My pick too For Tom Cruise um, I think he would Do well in that part and also like Woody Harrelson, I think is great, but I also feel like he's kind of the same in every movie that he plays.
0: I don't yeah. know. He's like kind of typecast a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's working well. What for about his career. what about Rogue One? Um, uh, Krennic, Cassian, the, the 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 dad. Oh, oh
3: yeah, oh, yeah. Gailin. Gailin. Again, the dad, yeah. yeah. Galen Urso. It would have been cool seeing oh, him, yeah, like him the dad. Yeah, okay. and then like you get the I hologram kind of thing coming out too, like before everything happens. Like it might have been cool to see Tom Cruise play that character too. Yeah, I don't know, that's what I was thinking. Uh, what about you, Justin?
2: Uh, I was gonna pick the Woody Harrelson character, but the other one I had in the back burner was Krennic. Okay, I would love to see Tom Cruise interact with Darth Vader, and I could see him in that uniform. I could, especially after that. What was that Nazi film he did?
0: Uh, Valkyrie? <laughs> yeah, Valkyrie. Yeah, after, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Bling. What about
1: you? I was gonna say General Hux. You need somebody older in that role, huh? I feel. I and mean, I feel you have someone you, you can actually like, that's more menacing than Tom Gleason. I don't think he does that. Uh, you think
4: Tom Cruise is menacing?
1: I, I like when he plays villain. I want to see him play more villain roles. I think that's something he he's always playing the hero. So I want to see him do more sinister roles. All right, Kerwin, what about you? Uh, he could be Borgs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> little just Tom
4: Cruise porgs just a, b- a bunch of Tom Cruise porgs
0: <laughs> flying around. I'm
4: like, make him make him the stormtrooper that dies in the very in the first in the Force Awakens.
0: Those little porgs running wipes around, wipes his young. blood on
4: Finn's mask.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I, I could easily see him as Cassian Andor, but I love Diego Luna in that movie. I don't know if I'd want to replace him. I want Tom Cruise to be um, Dryden Voss in Solo. There you go. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see him in that mm-hmm. movie as that role. But uh, we're out of here. Um, Rise of Skywalker is going to come out December 20th. You know, hopefully we get this episode out to you before it comes out. Stay away from spoilers. Obviously, don't go in with super low expectations, super high expectations. Kind of enjoy the movie for what it is. Obviously, enjoy yourselves. Be safe. Don't be stupid, you know, during the holidays and shit. But, uh, you know, have fun in the theaters and uh, we'll see you back at $20 ticket with our uh, discussion on uh, episode nine. So uh, in the words of Tom Cruise... I love Katie Holmes maybe uh, <laughs> what oh. whoa
1: I was gonna say may the force be with you Oh yeah <laughs> yeah wow okay, blink
4: with that blink a little bit of a San Martino spin on yeah. that may the force be with you yeah <laughs> may the force
0: be with you Jesus Justin Jesus thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed if you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's two zero, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, and thank you for listening.
4: Get it? Yes. Chewy is short for Chewbacca. Why are you guys being dicks, huh?
0: <laughs> I feel like this movie was only there to touch on uh, how naive not na- uh, Nas.
4: <laughs> I keep so. saying Han. No, I'm just kidding. Han.
0: Han. Han. My name's Han. Hmm. Han Solo. So you know we're kind of done talking about these Disney movies. Uh, well, they're still Star Wars movies, of course. Um, Jesus, let me start over. That sounds so like passive aggressive.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so passive
0: aggressive.